Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne. James Francis Bryant, Iowa. Sheldon Willis, lot of gaming commission. Francois Pina, captain of the league. Me, sir? I don't know who I am! I'm fine, I'm a Texas Ranger. I am a traveler in both time and space. Impersonating practically anybody. How do you like their Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Signways, your favorite podcast about all things Matt Damon, the peaks and valleys of his career and Hollywood in general. I'm your host, Hannah, with you as always. It's Sean. Hello. I think I said it right this time. It sounded pretty Yeah, it sounded pretty right. It yeah. sounded good. Yeah, and this yeah, yeah. week, we're here to talk about a disappointing sequel after a great sequel. Ocean's 12. A film. Yeah, I feel, you know our thoughts about Ocean's Eleven. We and really liked Ocean's Eleven. We really liked Ocean's Eleven. It was yeah. like my, it's in my top five, I yeah. would say. I was I was very excited for this movie, I would say. I was a little apprehensive because I knew, I knew it had a reputation. I did not. I knew it had a reputation, but I, so I remember talking to someone re- like about two years ago being like, I really like all the Ocean's movies. Yeah. And I was like, maybe they, maybe Ocean's Twelve isn't bad. Guys, it's bad. It's not, it's not great. I wouldn't go that far. I think it's aggressively mediocre. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah. It's fine. It's like when you have a really nice dish in a restaurant and then you try and make it at home and it's bad. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it does have the Night Fox in it, though. Fuck that the Night dude, Fox. That dude rocks. Fuck the Night Fox. I love the Night Fox. I hate the Night Fox. <laughs> it's, that's the, that, is the, that is the moment this movie loses me. It's the fucking Night me Fox. Me too. Yeah, I'm like, why, why are you doing two movies at once? But before we get to talk, if you yeah, speaking first of to- doing two movies at once, huh? Who are you going to do in two movies at once? Let's talk about some other movies. <laughs> if it's your first time listening to Sine Waves, it's what we do here each week is we get together and we watch a Matt Damon movie, regardless of how big or small his role is. And I think Brad should have listened to Matt when he said he didn't want to do this yeah, movie. Yeah, I think so too. Instead yeah. of writing him a larger part, <laughs> even though he doesn't have that larger of a part. Really re- I can't imagine what his role was going to be before this. I, I imagine it's the the whole Julia Roberts bit doesn't like that isn't as long as it is or whatever. Sure. But also maybe a, a problem with the movie is you could just change a major character's involvement like that on a whim. Yeah, maybe. Uh, maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. But before we get to talking about a Matt Damon film, we have to talk about our other media we've consumed because mm-hmm. Sean and I are too busy as people. Yeah. And it's the only time we get to talk about media. Yeah. Um... Well, I'm getting a lot busier these days, Yeah. Full disclosure, we were having a big chat because uh, Sean is entering his... Uh, uh, he's made so many beds and now he has to lie in them hey, era, I would say. Those beds are going to be so comfy, though. Didn't you stay up to three o'clock two days ago yep. working on something? Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you, I was in for 8.50 the next day. It does look really impressive, the thing you were working on. But I am worried yeah. you are going to burn yourself out. Uh, I'll be fine. That thing is releasing tomorrow, so I don't need to worry about that ever again. What about the stuff you have to do for it weekly? <laughs> I don't need to do that. <laughs> uh, I'll just show up on the day. It'll be fine. Fuck it, we'll do it live. Yeah, true, um, true. Speaking of doing it live, did you manage to get your girls' homework done this week or do you have to realise you didn't do it again? I did this about 20 minutes before you showed up. I thought you were going to do 
it yesterday. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I had the best nap of all time and I played Baldur's Gate for the evening instead. <laughs> what time did you go to bed out of yesterday, Ashley? Like one o'clock. Sean. Yeah. Sean sent me a message being like, I've just woken up for the best nap of all time at half, like nine. half nine. Yeah. And I was like, Sean, you fucked yourself. You should have... Yeah. Like, fair enough, you probably needed to... How long was your nap? I was going to ask you this early off mic, but I forgot to. Maybe like two hours. Would you not just stay up two hours and then go to bed at like ten? I tried. <laughs> this isn't a... This isn't a I went to bed and lied down and had a nap kind of nap. This was, is I was doing other shit and I fell asleep while I was doing it kind of nap. That's actually never happened to me. Yeah. I, I worry for mine when Hannah starts napping era. <laughs> You'll become too powerful. I think I will. Yeah. Me having like full amounts of sleep at all time. Terrifying. Um, would I be as terrifying as Hannah in Girls? This episode uh, Hannah in Girls is racist. <laughs> What's new? Yeah. Is she racist towards got Donald Glover like we predicted? Yeah, because Donald Glover is a Republican in this show. Black Republicans do exist. Yeah, yeah. And Hannah talks a lot about how that's weird. Um, and I can't even remember why she does it, but she starts bringing up, like, crime statistics to him. Okay. And he's just like, okay, no, fuck this, I'm out. And he's never in the show again. Good. Like... Um, uh, Marnie and Chris O'Dowd are in this episode a little bit more. They seem genuinely actually happy together, which is terrifying. Marnie or Jessa? I thought Jessa... uh, It was Jessa, sorry. Yes, it was Jessa. Marnie uh, banged uh, Hannah's gay ex-boyfriend in the last episode. Um, What? Yeah. So he's bisexual? Yeah. Oh, does she is she like Kevin Smith? She doesn't know what bisexual is? No, she does. Okay. No, she does. Very interesting to what? me that this show feels far more comfortable with showing um the gay character being a bad guy and then facing like consequences for his actions than Hannah. Hannah, yeah. Well if when you're um, when you're the main character. Yeah. You can't have anything bad happen to you. Yeah, uh, bad yeah. things do happen to her. In fairness, yeah, can but it's I, never, but it's yeah. never anything linked to her actions. It's always like unrelated shit that's meant to show her as a victim. I feel like Hannah is the Carrie of yeah, yeah. Where yeah, yeah. like Carrie, she's kinda, the least interesting one. Yeah, but like Carrie also never properly like Carrie goes through hardship and sex in the city, mm. but it's all of her own doing. Yeah. Like her being like. Oh, I can't trust Aiden. Is like, yeah, because because you cheated on you cheated on Aiden, <laughs> and you're bringing that guilt to the situation. Yeah. You know, uh, how's my girl Shoshana doing? She wasn't in this episode. Fuck this episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this episode I wasn't too happy with. It ends with Lena Dunham, Lena Dunham getting a restraining order against uh, Adam Driver. Ah, hey, that's and, a, and Adam Driver gets arrested. That's a big deal. Aren't yeah. they living together? No, they were going to be living together, but then her gay ex-boyfriend yes, he, took the he, room instead. Oh, ooh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Drama. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I liked this one a lot less than episode one. You just like Shoshana. Yeah, she's funny. Yeah, I hope I hope that actress has gone off to do other things. Uh, let me find out. Yeah, you can find that out when I'm talking about what I, my binge watching I did this week. Also talking about terrible people. I've been watching The Traitors. Have you heard of The Traitors, Sean? You mentioned The Traitors during Kid Nation yeah. while I was blasted. Yeah. Yeah. So The Traitors is like the BBC's latest reality TV show. Okay. It's hosted by Claudia Winkleman, who you will recognize. Yeah. I know Claudia Winkleman, yeah. A true icon. I love Claudia Winkleman. But it's 
basically this show where they get like 22 people into this Scottish castle and they have to like each episode they have to like do a challenge to raise money but that's not the interesting bit about the traders at the start of each season of the traders what are you looking at Shoshana's Wikipedia yeah she's been in nothing hasn't she so in 2018 she was in Under the Silver Lake which was supposed to be good yeah um, she was in Trolls Band Together in 2023. Uh-huh. In 2024, she's going to be... Oh, hang on. Let me, go, let me go to her TV for a bit because there is good shit here. Uh, before Girls, she was in Mad Men. Okay. Um, she was in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She That's seems a good to do show. a lot of voice acting. She has a good voice acting vibe, yeah. She was in The Flight Attendant, which is... Um, I've watched... She's very good in The Flight Attendant. Oh, I watched she? that show. Yeah. Nice. Uh, in 2024... Is she in a movie? In a to-be-announced role. Uh-huh. She is going to be in Madam Web. <laughs> Her web connects them all, Hannah. <laughs> Are you really excited for Madam Web? I can't wait. It's going to be But she was in the album of my mother when she died with researching spiders. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I can't believe Sydney Sweeney has joined the MCU. She hasn't. Is she not in that movie? That's not the MCU. What is it? That's the Sony Cinematic Universe. Oh, for fuck's sake, I don't get That's it. That's in with Venom and Morbius. Men- Venom. And Craven the Hunter. Venom. But speaking of the traders. Yes. Yes. So the traders, is, they raise money, they do competitions. That's the least interesting bit of the show. The most interesting bit is, start of each season, a different amount of people are chosen as the traitors. Okay. And each day, so each episode of the show... They get to kill another contestant and kick them out of the show. Nice. Um, I, I assume they don't actually kill them. No, because yeah. that that's... I don't think you can do that with public money. I think you can. You can do that on Channel 4. You can't do that on the BBC. <laughs> um, but then the other bit of it is... they. So the people who aren't the traders are called the faithful. And each week they get to kick someone off the show as well. Oh, or each cool. episode... So it only lasts like there's only twelve episodes a season because two people leave the ep- the show every week. Nice, but it's you know that game Salem. You you sometimes people play Town it of Salem. Yeah, yeah. I used to, oh, I used to play the fuck out of that. Game. It's so it's Town of Salem, but yeah. it's like so you have the. It's actually so interesting to watch because no one knows each other and they don't know like obviously they don't know who the traitors are. So you're just watching these like scenes where they they go around this big table and they're talking amongst each other. But, like, it's so bizarre to watch because you'll just see someone be like, I have a weird feeling about you this week. I think we should get rid of you. And then everyone votes out, like, one of the best players in the game. Nice. And you're like, for fuck's sake, no. (laughs) It's the guy sitting directly beside him. But I'm, like, halfway through it now. It had a... I would say if you... You can probably pirate it. The week where we're recording is the last week of it. So it's all... Okay, it's It's finished now sure i'm gonna try and find the australian version of it supposedly the australian one is one of the best series of like oh really because like i'm halfway through it so i've watched six episodes we're now kind of starting to get to the stage where people are like oh i don't care if you're a traitor or not you're just so annoying i actually just want to get rid of you nice (laughs) um or they're like you're a bad faithful let's get rid of you which is interesting so like i won't spoil how many traitors there are and stuff but like the traders have already slightly betrayed each other. And sure. they're like, the, the fucking knives they are... know who each other yeah. are? Okay. So they get to meet up. So they get to choose things. So like, they get to discuss amongst themselves who they get rid of each week. The faithful, none of them know anything. Okay. So there's like, the interesting thing is because people are getting accused so randomly, um, one thing that is like, it is annoying me is they don't, they must have been told by production or whatever that they can't bring up previous instances or like previous discussions when they're choosing who to evict each week or whatever i don't know what 
But there's been so many times where like the same person keeps being like, this person's a traitor. And then they end up being a faithful. I'm like, how is no one accusing this guy of being a traitor? <laughs> yeah. You fucking idiots. Um, there's a great Northern Irish woman on it who's oh. like, in her mid-60s, she's a retired teacher. Uh, and she just yeah. keeps, she's such a teacher. It's so funny. I love Diane. Hell I know, yeah. I don't know how Diane's doing, but like where I'm at, she's doing, she's doing strong. Nice. Um, it's great. Fuck Paul. If anyone's watching this season of The Traders, you know, shout out to my homeboy, Harry. If anybody's reading Amazing Spider-Man at the moment, you also know, fuck Paul. Um, one of the, don't spoil this, gets revealed in the first episode. One of the traders is like 22 year old, like, ar- like army, I don't know what he is. I think he's a mechanic or something in the army. But he's like, I'm just playing that I'm really dumb. Okay. <laughs> and like I'm really That's young and, and I'm really naive. Yeah. And so in all the like deliberation, he keeps like putting his hands in his Didn't hands. Didn't someone do that on King of the Nerds at one point as well? I don't know. Okay. Potentially, I can, I don't have an encyclopedia knowledge sure. of King of the Nerds. I feel like at some point somebody was doing that, and then at the end r- revealed that they're like some kind of crazy biochemist or something. But like everyone knows, like he's in the army, whatever. But it's because he's like it's basically when they're at the round tables and they're choosing choosing to who to get rid of each week. He's like, I want to look really flustered, so my not really talking, or if I have like a weird outburst, people just put it down to like my nerves are flaring up. Nice. And so yeah. far, it's working for him. Hell yeah! It's great. Nice. Um, Congratulations. Love you, Harry. He's very gay. I think. Nice. Yeah. Hell yeah. We'd love to see that. You'll love to see it. Things we didn't love to see was uh, fucking Oscar nominations. Sean and I... <laughs> yeah, we had, a, we, had a, we had a chat about this before. Um, Sean's angry for Charles Melton. Oh, he was fucking robbed. He was. Who is best supporting actor? Uh, let me get... Sorry, I, I had this up a few minutes ago, but I, I got rid of it before So recording. it's Mark Ruffalo um, and uh, Poor Things. Sure, this is what I mean. I Poor seen. Things was nominated for 11 Oscars. Like... That's what I mean. The Academy mm. likes Yorgos. Sure. Um, Ryan uh, Gosling and Barbie, which is solid. Yeah. Robbie Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer. He's good. I don't know if he's like amazing in Oppenheimer. Yeah. Uh, De Niro in Killers of the Flower Moon. You said the, Incredible. De- yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, and Sterling K. Brown for American Fiction, I which American- I heard nothing about. I heard American Fiction's good. Nice. Uh, I think it's one of those movies that I fully did not come out in Europe. Okay, sure. I think I think it's Obama's production studio. Yeah, it's coming. Oh yes, no, I did hear about this. Didn't he put it on his like best of the year list? Yeah, and he was like, "I know this is cringe, but I'm doing it anyway." Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, you know, what if I was the ex president of the United States and then I started a production company with my wife where I like made black written work and like had like black people in roles on TV? Yeah. I'd, I'd be promoting it as well. Yeah. If I had like a list that everyone cringed about and shared on social media. Damn. What do you think uh, George W. Bush has in his like favorite I don't want to know. Supposedly his daughters do that. his like best movies of oh, the year. Oh really? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I think that's very good. That's cute. Um, uh, best Supporting Actress. We've got Emily Blunt, Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple, America Ferreira for Barbie, should not be here. Uh, Jodie Foster for Nyad, which I know nothing about. And Devine Joy Randolph for the holdovers. So it's Devine Joy Randolph in the holdover. I've I th- heard the holdovers is incredible. I think Paul's gonna steal Killian's Oscar. Oh really? Yeah. I'm gonna once uh, the holdovers comes to the Stella, I'm gonna use my voucher. On yeah, that. I do really want to see this holdovers. It's meant to be incredible. Yeah. But like, cause I I must actually look it up. We can jump to best actor now. I know mm-hmm. Paul Giamatti. He was also nominated for best actor. Yes, he was. I know he like famously got snubbed. 
oh, like really? 15 years ago for some movie. Um, and so people are like, he's really good, supposedly, in the holdovers. They might be like, Killian will get another chance. We've got to give Jamati or, or Jamati, how do you say his name? Yeah, Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti. It's one of those things I can say, I have to say his full name. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't say his surname. <laughs> yeah, supposedly he was like, not like he was really upset about getting snubbed uh, for an Oscar like 15 years ago or something. Damn. Um, let me see what movie it was if you want to keep reading through the list. Yeah, uh, so then we've got Best Director, Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest. Wait, did we do Best Actress? We didn't do Best Actor or Best Actress. So Best Actor is Bradley Cooper uh, for Maestro, uh, Coleman Domingo for Rustin, uh, Paul Giamatti for The Holdovers, Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer, and Jeffrey Wright for American Fiction. See, I haven't... I've only seen, yes, it was uh, Paul Giamatti in Sideways he got stumped for. Okay. So like 20 sure. years, literally two decades ago. Nice. Yeah, I th- I want Killian to win so bad and I don't think he's going to win. Damn. I'm just preparing myself for Honestly, it. I like, I haven't seen American fiction. I like Jeffrey Wright a lot. I think it'd be cool if he got an Oscar. See, I don't know who what Jeffrey Wright's been in. Uh, he's one of the main characters in Westworld. He's in The Batman. Uh, he's one of those guys you'd know him if you saw him. Yeah. Is he one of those, is it one of those kind of like, I've liked everything you've done up to date, so I would like you to get an Oscar yes. versus, yeah. So that's the thing about the Oscars. It is, it's weird because I think Killian... <gasps> he's in Syriana. We're going to watch that. Oh, cool. Oh yeah, he's also in Lady in the Water. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing is like, I think, I weirdly think Killian Murphy's one of our best living actors, but he's like, this is his first Oscar nomination. Yeah, wild. And he's been in so much good stuff. He I, has, yeah. yeah. Uh, fucking 28 Days Later. Yeah. Inception. Oh, is he in that? Yeah. Nice. He's the little, he's the little damp lad. Nice. He's, he's Danny Issues McGee that the whole movie's about. <laughs> yeah, he's in, like, I don't know, it's, he's Christopher Nolan's fucking, like, muse. But yeah. Oh, yeah, he was in A Quiet Place Part 2. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> With Emily Blunt. Um, yeah. Best actress, I best I, actress. Uh, also, shout out to Bradley Cooper. Uh, boy wants to win an Oscar so fucking bad. Yeah, he does. He got so fucking snubbed with A Star Is Born, mm. and I it's supposedly he's like lost his mind making Maestro. Maestro is not meant to be like amazing. Yeah, Maestro is not getting an Oscar. Oh, I see. I I kind of I kind of want. This is my hot take. Uh-huh. I kind of want Carrie Mulligan to win Best Actress. Because sure. I want her to get out of her weird Oscar bait fucking run she's been in. Okay. Because, like, she's been in a, like... She got nominated for one of her first big movies with um, An Education. Mm. She keeps doing these, like, super Oscar bait movies. And I really like Carrie Mulligan as an actor. I want her to get out of her, like, get her Oscar so she can go back to period dramas. Nice. Because I'm so bored of it. I, I I also want Lily Gladstone to win one. I, I, I don't understand how you don't give her an Oscar I, for that performance. See, I haven't seen it yet. This is the thing. Mm. What are our other best actresses? Uh, Annette Bening for Nyad. A, a movie I've heard nothing about at There's all. There's always one of those every yeah. year. Yeah. Uh, Lily Gladstone for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah. Uh, Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall. That's meant to be great. Yeah, I've heard really good things yeah. about that, but it's a foreign language film, so I don't think the Academy watched it. I don't know, they gave Parasite all the Oscars. Yeah, but they couldn't, like... Parasite was the big cultural thing at the time. Yeah. Anatomy of a Fall isn't. You know, they've done it before. Like, um, The Artist was foreign language. That was a French movie. Was that not mostly silent? Yeah, but it was foreign. 
Carrie Mulligan for Maestro and Emma Stone for Poor Things. I think it's going to be Emma Stone. I think it's, I think it's got to be Lily Gladstone. I agree with you. It's got to be Lily Gladstone, but the Academy is terrible. Yeah. Supposedly Poor Things is incredible. I, Sean uh, will hate it. I, you, I'm not a Yorgos guy. Yeah. But surprising though. Yeah. Have you seen The Favourite? No, I haven't. I've seen The Lobster and I've seen Killing of a Sacred Deer. I hated Killing of a Sacred Deer. I hated The Lobster. I hated Killing of a Sacred Deer. I really like The Favourite. The Favourite's sure. fun. Okay. Um, Olivia Colman's great. Yeah, and I she, like her. Yeah, she's very good. And Emma Stone's mm. very good and so is Rachel Weisz. Yeah, Olivia Colman great in um, Secret Invasion. I just flicked the oh, water. That got me really bad. That was a lot of water. <laughs> Thank you. I perfected that over the years. <laughs> uh, what are our best director noms? Jonathan Glazer for The Zone of Interest, which I've also heard is incredible. It's not um, out yet in Europe, even though it's set in Ukraine. It's coming out soon. Yeah. This is what I mean. Do you know anything about... Oscar? It's No, it's not set in Ukraine. I thought it was. I. It's not set... In Poland? It's Poland or Ukraine? Like, uh, I know it's like a war movie, isn't it? Yeah, is it not about... Um, uh, a bunch of people building I don't... a house near Auschwitz. Hmm. Yeah, Maybe. a Nazi commandant tries to build a dream life for his family near Auschwitz. Ooh, that's not what I thought that movie was about. Oh, no? I'll still go see it. I say it's very good. Yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos for Poor Things. They love him. I don't. Uh, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer. I hope Chrissy gets his fucking Oscar. Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon. I'm I'm in Marty's corner all the way. See, I want Chris to get an Oscar. Sure. I think it's ridiculous he's not won an Oscar. I think I think they should give Scorsese all of the Oscars all the time. All you haven't even seen are it. the best. You haven't even seen The Departed. No, I haven't. Have you seen Silence? No. Have you seen? I think it was the one he did before this one. The Irishman? No, was it The Irishman? I think it was The Irishman. I haven't seen The Irishman. Irishman. Silence is very good. Irishman fucking rocks. Yeah. He's apparently making a Jesus movie next. Hell yeah. With significant portions of it set in the modern day. Oh no. So that's that's going to be intriguing. So um, you, I feel like you'd fuck with Silence. It's set in Japan. Nice. Andrew Garfield's in it. So is Liam Neeson. Nice. Adam Driver's yeah, yeah, in it. Yeah, he's a monk or something that goes he's, to Japan. He's right? a, a Jesuit priest who has yeah. to go find his master, who's nice. Liam Neeson. It's Hell very yeah. good. Um, I saw it. It's like three and a half hours long, though. And I was nice. Like, yeah, no, I want... I really liked Oppenheimer. I haven't... I, I do really want to see... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And also Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall. Is That's not going to win. That's not going to win. Yeah, I feel like it's between Marty and Chris. Yeah, I do too. See, the thing is, like, Killers of the Flower Moon... Like, I, I I wish there had been the same, like, a Barbenheimer thing with Killers of the Flower Moon. It is also one thing that annoys me with this modern fucking way of doing things. Sure. That's, to, like, a movie like Killers of the Flower Moon is in cinema for a month and then leaves. And yeah. goes to streaming. Yeah. Because it's on streaming now, so I'm like, I'll go see it eventually. But, like, I saw Oppenheimer opening weekend, you know? I was... Yeah. The, the build-up for seeing that, I feel like, is such a good thing for movies. Yeah, definitely. Similar to Barbie. I know Barbie's not on that list. I yeah, no, Bar- Barbie's up for a couple of other bits, yeah. though. Yeah, people um, are annoyed Greta didn't get nominated for Best Director. That's not a Best Director movie. The best thing about Barbie is the production stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, it's up for... Um, I think it should deserve, like... It's up for costume design, which I think is solid. It's up for... Production design, which I think probably it should take. Yeah. I don't know, Oppenheimer, it's, though. It's not up for makeup and hairstyling for some reason. But Oppenheimer's not up for, like, practical effects or CG either. 
Like, there's something that, like... Yeah. Like, sorry, Oppenheimer's not, not... It's either not nominated for cinematography or it's not CGI. Uh, like it's every, not up for visual effects. But, like, everything was filmed in camera. Nothing is CGI in that movie. Yeah. Which is, like, everyone's like, this is ridiculous. I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, what is up for visual effects? The visual effects it's section is bonkers. wild. It's always The creator... That movie's Remember very, that movie? That movie's very impressive looking. That looks rad. It looks great. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Didn't that come out 17 years ago? It came out this year, apparently. I don't recall it at all. Um, Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. Now renamed to Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. Supposedly fucking Tommy and uh, Paramount are having a big fallout over that movie. Oh, really? He did not want... Because it came out the week before Barbenheimer. Oh, and he was shit, like, guys, okay. we're going to get killed. Yeah. We need to put this out in like October. And Paramount went, no. Dab. So he's like, you might have to divorce his favorite film company. That'd be fucked up. Yeah. No more Mission Impossibles. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Uh, Napoleon. A movie I did not yeah, see. Yeah, me neither. And Godzilla Minus One. A movie you hate. Whatever about it being a good movie. I didn't enjoy it. That's fine. Does not deserve visual effects. Some of the visual effects in that movie looked fucking jank. Yeah. A lot of the visual effects looked jank, actually. See, this is the thing about the Oscars that's so weird. It's because it is votes. Yeah. I always do think weirdly. What ends up happening sometimes is people go, oh, this thing's going to win. I'm going to vote for this little guy. And then the little guy wins. Yeah. Um, Or just like, yeah. You know, supposedly the screeners are the hey, big thing. Marty's a little guy. Ah, uh, but I, you know, I, I wouldn't. I think I, I could see Oppenheimer kind of not sweeping, sweeping. If it's go, it's going to be between Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon. I think for pretty much everything. I don't know what are the best picture noms because we haven't read those. Ooh. I can read those out if you want. Let me let me get them up. I have them on up here. Uh, if you want. An American fiction could do surprisingly well. Mm. It does have that Obama money behind it. does have it. that Obama money. Uh, American Fiction, Anatomy of a Fall, Barbie, uh, The Holdovers, Killers of the Flower Moon, Maestro, Oppenheimer, Past Lives, Poor Things, and Zone of Interest. Very surprising to see no May December nods. Uh, because that's a movie that's horrendously critical of uh, modern acting. Oh, really? Yeah. Again, I fucking haven't seen this. Yeah. Um... Like, the, the whole thing is about how... Uh, Fucked up doing stuff like that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, yeah. Is it not what the end of Killers of the Flower Moon does as well? But I guess that's about everything, not just... Yeah, film. that's... It's also difficult to push that under the rug. Yeah. More than May-December, because yeah. it's the new big Scorsese movie yeah. that made, like, all the money. And Apple's like, please. Yeah. Didn't make that... Did it make... I don't know how well. It did really well, I'm pretty sure. I, see, this thing is good because Apple was like, whoop. Yeah. It probably could have still... Because Oppenheimer and Barbie were in the cinema for like three months, I feel. So they made a lot of money. Yeah. Where I feel like... Like, I know... I know actually this was one thing. I So it made $156.4 million in the box office. Yeah. On a $200 million budget. So, yeah. But that's on limited release and not even... Not acknowledging the... Um, International. No, not acknowledging streaming at all. No, but it's what I mean. It's like, I feel like when I was talking about Killers of the Flower Moon, 
with like my parents and when I and I had the same conversation with them being like I want to go see Oppenheimer I want to go see Killers of the Flower Moon yeah they were like Oppenheimer was not going to be on, on streaming for months yeah so they yeah. were like I need to go see this in a cinema that's fair they knew it was an Apple and they were like we'll wait like a month and a half and sure enough it came out on in a month yeah, and a half yeah and Killers of the Flower Moon was fantastic in a cinema but I think Oppenheimer is a much more of a you have to see it in a cinema movie yeah like I don't I actually don't know if that would work as well not in a cinema I think it will, but I think you need to see it the first time. It's just like the the silence of like when everything is going off in there. Yeah. Where like, I know, I also just know Killers of the Man Flower Moon because I've seen the story. I feel like it's one of those, or sorry, I've read the book. I feel like it's one of those that like, if you have to pause for every 45 minutes for someone to go pee, it's not going to ruin it. Where I feel like if you did that your first time watching Oppenheimer, it's going to piss you off. Yeah. I can't wait for my five-hour viewing experience for fucking Killers of the Flower Moon. It's great. It's a good movie. I know. I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah. But I know it's going to take me five hours because I live mm-hmm. with two iPad kids. <laughs> Shout out to your dad, pro Fortnite gamer. This is a call-out. They don't listen to the podcast. Damn. I don't want them to listen to the podcast. That's hard. That's scary. It started counting every time we pause a movie when I watched it with them. The average is four times. Damn. Okay. In a 90-minute movie. Good luck. I'm going to die. <laughs> Speaking of dying, that's our Oscar. We'll talk about the Oscars when they're done. Yeah. Because I love the Oscars. Speaking of dying, they didn't kill that baby. How's Aquaman 2, Sean? Talk about a fucking Oscar snub. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, 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 no. Aquaman 2 is not as good as Aquaman 1. Aquaman 1 sounds to be like incredible, right? Aquaman 1 is, let me be clear, both of these films are awful. Mm-hmm. But Aquaman 1 is a better awful than Aquaman 2 is, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like Aquaman 1, all of it is just like a flavorless paste. No, 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 no. What? Oh, no. Have you... S- Hannah, we need to watch Aquaman. I don't like watching comic book movies, I've decided. <sighs> uh, first of all, would you ever say you don't like watching book movies? All I'm saying is comic book movies. There's a lot of movies out there that are comic book movies that you might not know. The thing about Aquaman is just like, I just don't like the DCU. Yeah. This is the last movie in the DCEU, and it's a fucking bizarre note to go out on <laughs> the thing with Aquaman right the mm-hmm. first one is not a, a bland uh, tasteless paste. paste it is a paste with a taste that you have never tasted before and can't loved, explain I thought people loved Aquaman 1 they did I love Aquaman 1 but is it just because like it's so bad it's good kind of way or see I think it's so bad it's good a lot of people found it more like it found mass market appeal you know mm. Um, but the thing with Aquaman 2 is for the first third of it, it's being Aquaman 1 again. And you're like, it's back into that fucking groove. It's that like insane shit going on and like people just treating it completely seriously because that's just the shit that happens. Like, oh my God, what's going on? There's a part where Aquaman goes back to the desert that he went to in the first movie. But he's like actually that. Yeah, that's the point. I know. But he goes back to the, like, abandoned ruins that he went to in the first movie. Yeah. And he discovers that um, 
or he doesn't even discover. We are told that not only has a like cult of blood god worshipping like dust zombies taken up residence in the ruins. They were there the whole time and we just didn't see them in the first one. It's like, oh shit. Yeah, let's go. Also, we discovered that the ocean is now just directly next to these ruins. <laughs> um, you can't see my face. I look so unimpressed. The thing with Aquaman 2 is there is a big chunk of it in the, in the middle where it's trying to be a buddy comedy in the style of, like, the Taika Waititi Thor movies. Oh, no. And it's the most excruciating shit I have ever watched. Like, is that one of those, because you hate those those movies? I just, just hate that style of humour. Yeah. It doesn't click with me at all. It's almost like um, the style of humour in this movie. Nah, the, the first third and the last third are great, though. Uh, oh, Ocean's 12? Oh, Ocean's 12. No, never mind. I'll back with Man 2. No, yeah, I meant no, Ocean's 12. This has Taika yeah, vibes, no, actually. There's, there's, this one got a couple of chuckles out of me, but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, Aquaman 2 does have the best villain in any comic book movie ever. Who is it? Black Manta. I've heard this name so much. Black Manta. His backstory is that Aquaman killed his dad, and now he wants nothing in life but to kill Aquaman. So he's like Green Gollum Jr., Kind of, yeah. But the thing is, this movie does something incredible for a comic book film. Which is, it at no point does it make any attempt to make him redeemable, or to give him a change of heart, or anything. The beginning of the movie, he wants Aquaman dead. The end of the movie, he wants Aquaman dead. That's kind of refreshing, though. Yeah, because yeah. The, the plot of it is, he finds like this evil trident that has the ghost of a zombie... Like an an ancient Atlantean zombie necromancer king, who the Atlanteans like froze in ice, um, and because of global warming, the ice is melting. Oh, um, you see, it's actually yeah. a climate change film. Oh, it's very explicitly a climate change film <laughs> because in order to get, in order to speed up this melting, he's going and stealing a bunch of this old Atlantean fuel that apparently gives off great great amounts of energy. But also fucks up the atmosphere. And what he's this doing... This is just a plot of, like, Final Fantasy VII. He's just going, like, stealing it from the Atlanteans and chucking it in a furnace. <laughs> That's actually quite funny. Uh, yeah. But the whole time he's got, like, the evil necromancer dude, like, talking to his brain or whatever and he's going crazy. And then at the end of the movie, he is free of it. And the first thing he does is he draws a knife and he goes to kill Aquaman again. <laughs> They didn't kill the baby. They did not kill the baby. Uh, I was very sad about that. They also didn't kill the dad. Um, <laughs> what, Black Manta's dad? No, Aquaman's dad. Oh. Uh, Black Manta goes, when he kidnaps the baby, um, he goes to Aquaman's house. and Aquaman isn't there, he's like, I'm going to take this baby for the evil necromancy ritual. Yeah, of course. Um, and he stabs Aquaman's dad. And he's like, I'm going to like stab you in the stomach so you die slowly. So he gets here before you die. And he can watch you die. But then they just do Atlantean magic on him and he's fine. <laughs> I'm so happy a comic book franchise has finally died. Hey, James Gunn's new DC universe has oh, started again. Fuck. I forgot about that. You know what the last shot of uh, the DCEU is? This is someone farting. It is Orm, the Ocean Master, eating a hamburger with a cockroach in it and liking it a lot. And then it cuts to black and the DCEU is over. 
That actually feels like a good yeah, representation yeah. of the DCEU. Yeah, true. Mm-hmm. I hope the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes out similarly. Yeah, it can't have long left in it. Oh, I think we've got another four years. Apparently that new Echo show is meant to be really good. This is what people keep saying. I got yeah. tricked with fucking um, the Scarlet Red um, WandaVision. That was actually interesting for like two episodes. That was good until the last third. Then the Act sure. 3 started and they were like, time to bring back the MCU. And I went, yeah. no. Very quickly, I just, I've, uh, as Hannah, as everyone knows, Hannah reads too much. I just, yeah. I'm, moments before the last record, I nearly finished a book. I was finished Circe by Madeline Miller, a book I picked up, I bought in 2019, nice. read 100 pages of, went, I'm not in the mood for this actually, and then and did not pick up again for another four and a half years. Iconic. Good shit. Good <laughs> shit. It's a feminist retelling of the Odyssey from uh, Circe, or Circe, Siri, I don't know how you yeah, say her Cersei. name. Circe. Circe. Um, who's like one of the daughters of like the Titan Sun God. Yeah, one of the Eternals. Get out of your house. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's good shit. So it is always so weird when you read stuff that's based on Greek mythology. Sure. That you're... is... Hmm? The the, na- the book you're reading now is by the author of... Uh... Oh, wait, no, is this the same book? Yeah. The author of Song of Achilles? Yeah. Yeah. She got very bad long COVID, so she hasn't been able to write a oh, new really? book. So, yeah, Damn. it's very sad. sad. Madeline Miller. Um, she's like a uh, medievalist at Yale now. Oh, cool. Yeah, like she's cool. I like her. Hell yeah. Yeah, but the weirdest thing about when you read like Greek stuff or like things that are like based on myths mm. is that they do always have it that like everybody kind of intermarries lots, which is always weird. Sure. So like a spoiler for the Odyssey, I guess. She like gets... <laughs> what? <laughs> You spoiler for one of the oldest stories known to man. So, like, she famously gets with Odysseus. Yeah. And has his kid. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. then yeah. the kid goes to his island when he gets back from his, like, 20-year quest and kills him. Mm-hmm. So she ends up then marrying Odysseus's other son. Okay, sure. <laughs> and I'm like, how are you going to square what? this book? <laughs> how are you going to square your... Do they? Huh? Does it? It kind of... Like, it is a little bit unbelievable. But you're like... I guess, like, they never meet until he's in, like, his 30s. Sure. So you're like, okay, less weird. Still bizarre. Yeah. Really. When you, like... Who writes that? Who thinks... Like... And it's one of those things that's so bizarre. You're like, this had to have happened in real life. You know? (laughs) Or else the Greeks were on some freaky... I think the Greeks were just on some fucked up shit. Yeah. They were just like, and then she married this guy. And you're like, what? Yeah. There, it's not on the list, but I do want to mention Monarch, still fucking excellent. Hell yeah, I'm uh-huh. very excited to watch it. It's just so funny when you see Kirk Russell and his son um, like doing interviews together because you're like, oh, this is a miracle piece of casting because they're yeah. playing the same dude. It's Is it the dude from Falcon and the Winter Soldier who plays him? Because he looks exactly fucking like him. I don't know. Uh, but uh, it, potentially, yeah, if it's the one who's the new Cap. But yeah. he's just per- like... He's because that's in like the 60s storyline. He's got a big romance with the Japanese scientist going on that I'm fucking like vibing about so much. It is him, yeah. Yeah. And then you just cut to modern Kirk Russell and everyone's like, how, you're 90. How are you able to do this? And they never address it in the show. <laughs> Hell yeah. It's very good. I, nice. I, I highly recommend. Um, Shout out to Godzilla, my guy. My guy. I like to, I'd like to imagine Godzilla as a woman. Sure. Because God is a woman. If you want. Yeah, she I love her hands. <laughs> I love Godzilla's hands. I think it's real funny. Yeah, for grabbing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, our last piece of media before we get to talking about this god-awful movie is comics. What comics came out last week, Sean? No comics this week. Oh, fucking baller. That yeah, means we have uh, to talk about the movie. Because uh, last week we recorded on a Wednesday and it is currently a Tuesday. So we new shit's I, coming out I actually tomorrow. could not remember. Yeah, because game didn't happen. Yeah, I was yeah. like, ooh. Did we record on Thursday, Wednesday? Who can say? Yeah. Um, oh, I've been reading we... a little bit of 80s X-Men, though. How's that going? They're living in the outback in Australia. Good day. Yeah, it's not going well for them. Everybody thinks they're dead. Do you know what? I feel like being dead after watching Ocean's 12. I don't feel that strongly about it, but it's not, not a very good film. They will say the poster? Banging. Yeah, the poster does rock. They do, at several points in the beginning of the movie, refer to Ocean's Eleven as, like, the name of the, the, the group. Uh, which I thought was terrible. I, I, I was having a big think about this movie. Sure. Um, but the spoiler, spoilers, spoilers to the audience. I didn't particularly care for this movie. But yeah. it does have like a weirdly positive reputation, especially with like some other like film critics I really like, I, I normally agree with. So I was like, why don't I like this movie? And I've realized what I think is the problem. It feels like a sequel to a movie that's based on a book. Where they cut out a load of like side characters in the first book, and that they makes, have... that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah, but that's not what happened. But that's what feels like it happened. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So like Rusty's ex girlfriend, you're like, that's definitely a character that is like a minor character in book one that they had to shoehorn into book two because they just, they just didn't want to do the plot in book one. Uh huh. Yeah. Or and the Night Fox is like an old oh, rival of shout out to of, the Night Fox, my guy of like uh, Mr. Oceans. <laughs> that is like mentioned in book three and they decide to bring into book two. But that's not what they did, folks. No. This is an original fucking script. Yeah. I don't know what happened here. <laughs> Had to rewrite it to get Matt in more. So must have fucked everything up. It's just, it's bonkers. They don't do a heist. Yeah. They, there's no... They do one heist. But they they, it's, they do a few heists, but they show them in like 45 second chunks. Yeah, they never do the whole... They never do the thing that I liked about Ocean's Eleven, which was showing them kind of like... Planning. Planning the heist, and then the heist happens, and then they reveal more of the plan through flashbacks as it goes. No, they don't They do not yeah. do any of that. No. It's just a lot of shots of George Clooney, Brad Pitt, and Matt Damon in various cafes and hotel rooms talking about there stuff. There is one flashback sequence at the very end. Yeah. And it's bullshit. <laughs> and it's... Uh, and they, they do... I'm, I'm calling this out now. I hate that they do the same fucking thing. So I remember when we were talking about the Ocean's Eleven episode. Yeah. And we call out the shot where they show the green... They show you the tr- the green tree from the second van at the yes. very start of it. And they do this kind of long lingering shot in it. And you, so you forget yeah. about it. And then they do the same shot at the very end. And you're like, oh, they do the same thing with the fucking bag. Yeah. But it's just like, it's like two minutes before they show you the flashback. And you're like, what? Yeah, not, not a great, not a great one out here. Um, so this movie is about Danny Ocean. Danny Ocean and Tess Ocean. Mm-hmm. And when we first meet them, they're living an idyllic little life. No, we, we started with Rusty, actually. We do start with Rusty's backstory. Yeah. For, I did like... I did like this scene. I do I do like the concept of Rusty dating an Interpol agent. Yeah. And having to, like, run from her. 
I think that's a very fun concept. And that that scene at the beginning where he's like figuring it out and he's like... And he's like, oh shit, she's caught on to me. Yeah, I exactly. need to escape. Yeah, I liked that. I think that's fun. Yeah. Um, the little freeze frame on the title card as he's yeah. jumping out the window. Iconic. Like, Brad... Very hot on this movie. Catherine, very hot on this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, got yeah. so many cute little outfits. Um, <laughs> They're like red jacket. Yeah, I was thing. like, please tell me she's wearing a shirt underneath that because that looks no, wicked. She's not. She was. Nah, she couldn't be. Okay. Calm down. <laughs> but yeah, it basically starts off when it's like three and a half years before Ocean's 11. Yeah. Uh, Rusty is like dating an Interpol agent who's like hunting him from a crime. Yeah. He has to escape. But then we kind of flash forward to. Danny and Tess, they've kind of are having their, their second, third wedding their anniversary. Second, third anniversary, yeah. yeah. And he's like casing a jewelry joint. It's cute. Like, yeah. I like Tess and Danny as a couple. I think mm. they, they play off each other well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, Julia Roberts is doing something in this film. <laughs> I really don't get the Julia. I know everyone's like, oh, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that so later. It's so fucking stupid. It show. is the dumbest shit of all time. Like, I, do you know what again? That makes it feel like a book. It makes yeah. it feel like in a book that happens in book two. And then in but book one. But they had one, already cast her. No, and then in book one, they're like, oh, this will be a, a, a little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to something that happens in a future series. Yeah. It's a future bit of the series. And then they're like, oh, shit, I guess we have to do it now. Yeah. Like, I can't believe that. I'll get over myself. I'll stop. You're No, you're correct. I also can't believe that they fucking did that. It's so stupid. It is an insane choice to make in your movie. Yeah. Especially when the other actors in that film are George, George Clooney and Brad Pitt. And Matthew Page Damon. MPD. <laughs> um. Jesus Christ. So Tess and Danny are going, they're having yeah. an identical little life in Connecticut. Tess mm-hmm. is like painting her walls. Everything's good and groovy. Yeah. She does this like, Danny, stop being addicted to being a thief, please. Yeah. And who shows up while they're on the call, Hannah? Uh, Seth Roth. Huh? Terry Gilliam. Or Terry, yeah, Seth Terry, Rock. Terry, what's his name? Terry fucking... Tony, not Tony Bennett. Terry... Terry... Tony... Benedict. Andy, it's a, it's, Terry Benedict. It's Andy Garcia. It's Andy Garcia. Dressed like yeah. a fucking vampire. Dressed in... Dressed like a, ca- a cast member of Interview with the Vampire. Craziest outfit I've ever seen. Like, red sunglasses. Like, white, like a Victorian ruffle. Um, it's such a different it is, aesthetic than the first movie. It is insane i did not i didn't recognize him at first he's got like a cane yeah what the fuck this was my first sign that i was like something something something's wrong something's (laughs) amiss here yeah because i was like this is such a dramatically different characterization yeah and basically you see this kind of 10 minute scene of where all where all the the 11 have been yeah tony's found them yeah and you you kind of terry I keep thinking of Tony Bennett. That's what's wrong with me. But you see kind of a bit uh, where... Actually, like, one thing also. Yeah? I'm going to try and cut this out. But apologies if y'all hear the wind in the background, Yeah, folks. there's a big storm in Ireland. It's real windy out yeah. here. Yeah. Um, you see like a 10-minute scene of where everybody's been up to... Like everyone's been up to. So like Rusty's like gotten into the hotel business. Um, yeah. Like Frank has gotten really into manicures... Which again, yeah, which again, again feels like a weird character. A weird detail, yeah. A weird detail that they write in so they can like make a joke about it later, which I, I kind of fucking hate when sequels do that. Yeah. I don't know what Matt was up to in this bit. Matt, I Matt is still getting into the thief life. Yeah. Like he's still kind of making his way up the ladder. We're going to have a lot of chit chat about Nepo Baby Matt Damon. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. It's so good. 
Because it is that is set up in in the first bit of the movie, like yeah. movie one, that he's like a nepo baby, and yeah. that's why they kind of pick him out. Um, uh, Casey is married. Casey's getting married. His yeah. brother is really angry about it for some reason. His brother's really angry because Casey doesn't mention him in the speech. Yeah. Yeah. He like thanks everybody else there, but he doesn't thank his brother. Yeah. That, then nothing else is. Then yeah, that that's isn't... the only kind of scene those two those two characters get in this movie. Yeah, they don't really do anything else. Yeah, Saul is just pretending to be like a rich English man, I guess. Yeah, he's Saul is fully just chilling. Basher is making movies, making music with Jared <laughs> yeah. Harris, which yeah. I rewound and was like, "You, what are you doing here?" Still doing his accent. Oh, he he wanted to drop the accent. I know. I kind of wish they had let him do a different accent every movie. This movie is so fucking bonkers as it is. I think him being like, it was a Long Kong in it. I'm actually American. I think it would actually have been a really good joke. And then him doing another Long Kong in the next movie. Be like, I was Scottish, eh? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's fun. That'd be funny. Um, But no, we're smarter than the script writer. Um, We're not. No. Uh, No, Don Cheadle is. Well, he chose to do the accent in the first place and was yeah, like... Yeah, but I... he also came up with the idea of changing it. Oh, did he? Yeah. I didn't know Wasn't that. Wasn't that that he asked to change it? No, he wanted to go back to his American accent. Yeah, no, but did, like, wasn't the idea that he would do a different accent? I don't know. Every movie or whatever. I don't think so. I don't know. Damn. I could I be wrong. Have, I, I thought you made that up. I might have made that up. Yeah. Damn, maybe I am smarter than the script writer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trying to think what the others would have. The Amazing G is just like becoming a fuckboy. Is that I get... the Amazing Yang? It might be the Amazing Yang. I might, I might be getting confused with the actor's name. Let me, I'm wicked tired, gang. Um, yeah, let me get the Wikipedia page for Ocean's 12 up because I'm going to need it a little bit for yeah. this one, I think. What else were all the other uh, 11 up to? I'm trying to remember. Who are in oh, the, the 11? The, the, the techie guys become like a weird comedian. Yeah, a terrible comedian. Yeah. Like, he's doing stand-up. Again, um, that's the kind of only bit of characterization yeah. for the whole movie. As we said, Frank gets really into pedicures and yeah. manicures. Yeah, the amazing Yen. Amazing um, Yen, my apologies. That's it, I think. Ruben is also just chilling. Yeah, he's just being like a casino owner, I yeah. guess. I do yeah. want to shout out one thing we do see. So we see this 10 minute scene of like what everyone's been up to. Yeah. And then uh, at the end Terry, of the, At the end of every little clip, Terry comes and gets him. I, I want to shout out Topher Grace's cameo. Yeah, Topher Grace! <laughs> he's back, He's baby. back, yeah. He's staying in Rusty's hotel. Dressed he's like, not having a good time. Looking like Sean if he grew his hair out like for two or three years. Yeah, yeah. yeah I should do that. No. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> Talking about him quitting that 70s show and I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Rusty's like, hey dude, don't kill yourself. <laughs> it's fucking crazy there's a lot of this I saw something online about this movie which is like you can just tell it was an excuse because everyone who made this movie it made Ocean's Eleven got on so well that they wanted to go they just wanted to hang out they just wanted to hang out and they made a movie around that it's like Adam Sandler's whole film franchise in fairness it it does feel like they're all having a fucking blast with this I don't know why we need to watch their whole movie though you know what actually looking at it through that lens I'm liking it more and more it's just them being like and then we did this exactly yeah and then we like moved the house the fuck is the moving the house um oh, I've only one to consider moving the house yeah Topher uh, Grace is in this Rusty yeah. gets caught they- and uh fucking Terry is like okay guys here's the conceit of the movie yeah I want my money back you've got two weeks to rob the equivalent amount of money plus interest. Yeah. 
If you don't, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Which, as an idea for the movie, yeah. isn't bad. I don't know why he wouldn't have done this earlier. Because he doesn't know where they fucking are. Sure. Yeah, that's, actually, yeah. That's what that the Night sense. Fox does. <laughs> I have such an issue with the Night Fox. <laughs> so it's basically like, you need to rob the same amount and up more. And I'm like, do you know what? As an idea for the movie, which is that's the escalation, is they have to rob something bigger and I have to go to Europe to do this because they're too hot in America. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad idea for a movie. Yeah, I like that. The execution on the other <laughs> This is intriguing. Yeah. So they, they go to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And this is when we get... When they get to Amsterdam... Um, or no, when Rusty is the one with the plan, because he always is. Yeah. Uh, and Rusty's like, all right, I got it. Amsterdam, we're booked onto the 7 p.m. flight. And Frank is like, Amsterdam? You sure about that? And yeah. Rusty's like, don't tell Ocean. Don't tell Danny. Yeah. Uh, we'll find out what that's about later. It's almost like we, we find out what that's about three minutes later when yeah. they show us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's because his girlfriend is working for Interpol in Amsterdam. This is the worst thing his about... ex. Yeah. The worst thing about this movie is there's so... Ocean's Eleven. And I, I know it's unfair to keep comparing it to Ocean's Eleven. I don't think it is. It's uh, the sequel to Ocean's Eleven. But this is what I was going to say. I think it hasn't helped that we last, like, literally last week, we watched a very good set sequel to another movie we've done on this fucking podcast. Yeah, true. Which has done, like, which takes the things that were good about the first one, changes some stuff, but builds on the good things. Mm-hmm. Where this one takes the things that are good on the first one and then just, like, copies it, but does this idea of, like, people like it when we set stuff up. Set, like, people like the heist. So let's do three heists. People like it when we set something off. Yeah, and then a, we big pay set, it back. a big selling point for this. Like in the fucking um, byline for it or whatever, is that they do three separate heists in Europe. And it's like, I guess technically, yeah. Which but we don't. Which is the Paris heist? Which one is the Paris heist? Is that when they fucking take the bag? I guess. It must be. That's when they're in Paris. That's stupid. Or is it, um... Or is it meant to be the part where they rob the Night Fox? But he doesn't live in Paris. No, he lives in Lake Como. Yeah. Steven Steven Soderbergh, where you were being sued for false advertising. No, I don't have a problem with Steven Soderbergh, because Steven Soderbergh made movie number one. I have a problem with you fucking... um, Steven Soderbergh did not make this one? He did make this one. I have a problem with the fucking writer because okay. it's a different writer and I'm scared because he also write, he's going to write a lot of fucking movies we're going to watch oh, going really? forward. George Nolfi. Oh, you're at the Adjustment Bureau. And Born Ultimatum. <laughs> oh, I'm no. scared. I'm really scared. Yo, you're a Birth of the Dragon? Oh, Sent- he directed Birth of the Dragon. Um, but going back There's to this, nothing else I recognize. Going back to this movie, um, the so they go to Amsterdam and we see the scene where they're like they're kind of trying to coach because a big thing about Ocean's Eleven and Matt's part, especially. In Ocean's oh, actually, 11, before we before we move on to Amsterdam, I want to talk about Soul's performance. Yeah. In this film, okay. The part where he gets caught by Terry uh-huh. because it's fucking unhinged. That he's pretending to be like an Englishman? He's pretending to be like this well-to-do English like nobility guy. Yeah. And he's there um, eating a dinner in some fancy restaurant. 
and someone says like there's a call from you for from mr uh benedict or whatever yeah from mr benedict he's like oh yes old terry <laughs> old terry benedict yes uh, oh he loves his practical jokes it's just like rambling like that for like two minutes it's fucking crazy they go to amsterdam yeah they've decided to do something very odd with matt damon's character linus in this movie which is yeah. Linus is so quiet and quite stoic. It doesn't really say much because he's like a pickpocket. They've decided to make him the most anxious millennial that exists. Yeah, he really is. Yeah. I don't know why. He's really, like, he really wants to be somebody. He wants to be a thief. He wants to be Danny. He wants to be Rusty. Which I I guess is kind of part of his thing from the first one. But they decided to make him, like, so uncool. Yeah. He's really playing it up in this. And yeah. He's really like pathetic in it. Yeah, and like it's almost like he's like gone off his like anxiety medication or something yeah. weird. Like it's yeah. it's bizarre. Like I can see why they did it for the nepo baby stuff at the end because it That's does make great. it funnier. That's but um, it just so like they have this bit where they go to like interview with an act. I recognize the actor. Was he the new, the second Hagrid or something? He was the only Hagrid. Oh. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. They go talk and he's like a yeah, Russian. Yeah, Matsui. Yeah. And they have a, a bit where they're like speaking in poetry. Yeah, in like some kind of code. And Matt Damon has no idea what's going on. Says a line <laughs> from our intro, which I did not yeah, know at the time. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that that was in this as well. Uh, a traveler in both time and space. And then he gets kicked out of the meeting because... Apparently it was, ref- it was calling Robbie Coltrane's niece. His daughter, his 11-year-old daughter who's bedridden a whore yeah and it's just it's one of those like this is what i mean where i feel like you're watching three three friends and it's their home movie yeah because it's one of those things that if you were doing like an improv thing and you're just trying to like one-up each other yeah and you're like you're you are laughing at the (laughs) one-upmanship of your own joke that's entertaining but when you watch someone do that it's very shit yeah that's what that yeah. is. That's what a lot of this movie feels like. It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they do get the tip off off of Matsui. That they have to go rob this, like... Um, <laughs> the first stock certificate ever issued the by Duff- the fucking like, East India Trading Company. There's way more than that. That would be way more than two million, I feel. Yeah, it must be. That must be like 50, easy. Yeah. There's a robber from this like eccentric guy who never leaves his house. And it's yeah. like a, a big safe thing. <laughs> and you're like... And they're like that, that, that was interesting. I would have liked if the whole movie was that heist. And, but then they have this weird bit where, like, Matt's like, do you not feel weird about robbing someone that has, like, a disability? And everyone, yeah. And everyone's like, no. And I'm like, that's a weird scene to put into your movie, guys. Yeah. Is this also where they offhand mention that they know a guy who's working on hologram technology? I don't... I, I did not catch that because I did not care for the holograms later on. Yeah. I thought that was stupid. Um. <laughs> Um, yeah, their their idea for how to get into this house. So they have to break into this house. They show you this kind of... A similar, it's a very reminiscent thing from Ocean's Eleven, which yeah. is they're going to do I this... I like this bit. They're going to do this heist. They've come up into a roadblock. They need to figure out a way to do it. And I think the biggest problem with this movie versus Ocean's Eleven, because, okay, maybe they could do more heists. Maybe the heists are a lot quicker. I don't like the fact the heists feel like they're bullshit yeah like one yeah, of, yeah yeah one of the things that's so great about oceans 11 is as you're watching it you're like i can actually see 11 people doing a heist like this because none of the technology is too crazy mm. that you're like 
No, I could see like a bunch of people doing this. All this the shit. All the technology <laughs> in this feels bullshitty. Yeah. Like everything feels a little too bullshitty. It feels like it was invented specifically to pull off this heist. So like they they do a thing where and it's again it's very reminiscent to Ocean's Eleven where. They they start naming like random other cons people have pulled. Yeah, but it doesn't work as well this no, time. No, it's played more for laughs this time. Yeah, it's just no. Like I'm like stop fucking yeah. over seasoning it. Yeah, stop. So they like raise the pile. They raise, yeah, they fucking tilt the house. Why did they do it again? They don't can't get a snipe uh, uh, a sh- proper sight line for the crossbow. Sure, but they never. This is the thing that's really annoying. They they have a problem. They never actually fully explain the problem to you. Yeah. They fix it and then they show you in a flashback what the problem was. But that's an annoying thing because one of like because they don't give enough time for the the heist to happen, and because they actually never show you them doing the heist. It's only ever the flashbacks. That you don't, you don't have that like bit of time in the middle when you're worried about the heist not succeeding. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because and then you get the satisfaction of oh, how did they pull this off? Oh, I see now. Also, all of their heists succeed. But also, all the heists succeed. But it's not really like, you know, it's the thing they do so well. So, say for example, like when you're watching Ocean's <laughs> Eleven and you're like, how are they going to get the money out of the vault? And yeah. then then they get the money out of the vault, and then you see how they're always going to get the money out of the vault. They introduce all these things of how are they going to do X? How are they going to get the fucking crossbow bolt into the building? Yeah. That issue is like raised and it's resolved 90 seconds later. Yeah. It's just like, it's, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I don't, Sean, I'm really annoyed at this film. It's yeah, bad. Yeah, I can tell. Um, but we don't actually really see them doing the heist for a little bit because we cut away to Interpol. Yeah. Where, uh, what's her fucking name? Uh, Isabel, uh, Rusty's ex, I, is talking do, about Lamarck, I, I, the greatest thief oh, of all time. This is, this, this is the bit that feels like a book adaptation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like a thing that was in the first book that they didn't get to include. Yeah. And so they just have somebody expositing it to the camera. And she's like, was that, you see Rusty watches her at a funeral and she yeah. turns up to her, their hotel room. Yeah. Yeah. They're just trying to recreate the, the Danny Tess thing, but it doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah. They also have no chemistry. No, like... Yeah, they don't really have any... They're just two very hot people. I mean, yeah. like, I like watching them in a scene together, but, like, <laughs> they're no Danny and Tess, yeah. you know? Uh, but she's there talking to other Interpol guys about... Uh, is a fucking... It's Lamarck and the Night Fox. This is when... The, yes, this is when the Night Fox is introduced. My favourite guy. <laughs> they basically are kind of like... It is an interesting thing. She's doing this like presentation to Interpol. And then she's basically like told that the Americans are here. I don't know why, what she's told exactly. But she knows... Because it's before the Night Fox thief happens. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's before the heist, I think. It is, yeah. Yeah. Because how we find out how the heist happened is her... Going to the heist. Going to the heist and going through it, yeah. Yeah. And the heist, they show you it. They they show you a scene of them raising the pylons. Yeah. And you're like, I don't know how this works. And they they do the heist and they're successful. Um, And she's kind of talking through the heist. Mm. And that's when they reveal that actually... Twist! They, They left a drill behind. Yeah. And... She's like, why would they have brought this 
if they never intended to use it to get into the safe because the safe was just open. Yeah. And they were going to leave it behind. Yeah. And then they realize it's because somebody else got there first. When Danny and the guys got into the safe, it was empty. Yeah, because that night fox had been there. Yeah. <laughs> he leaves a little, uh, like, Press recorded play. message for them. And this is when, I think, <laughs> up until this, everything about the movie is... Like, we've been nitpicky about it because we like the first one. Yeah. But it's it's been clumsy this but This is fun. when it goes off the rails. It's been clumsy but fine. Yeah. This is actually when it gets stupid, yeah. I think. Yeah. Because it actually twists, it turns out, there's another thief that's the Night Fox, who's the best thief in the world, that has it out for Danny Ocean. So sells him out to Terry. Yeah. Um... And wants to play a little game. Pretty much, yeah. The He, like... Danny finds this out and goes to his house and just, just off-screen, breaks into his house and steals all his paintings. And you find out that he's the son of a, a thief and a, um... And a, like an Italian nobility that he never met. Yeah. And he's just bored and rich and he deals all this thieving. And like, don't really fucking annoy me. What? He does all these theming. They never show you doing, him yeah, doing yeah. any of it. He is magical. Like you see, you see him doing the heist at the very end. Oh, and it's so stupid. It's fucking awful. It's like it's a scene out of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, but uh, when Danny goes to see the Night Fox, because he knows exactly who he is, because and... like, and he's broken the first rule of what the thief's code, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Again, something in book one. That is never yeah. yeah. But the the Night Fox issues Danny a challenge, which is that he wants to steal this Fabergé egg. Mm-hmm. They're both gonna try and steal it, and whoever gets it, f- and like if Danny gets it first, then the Night Fox is going to pay off his debt to Benedict. Benedict. If the Night Fox gets it first, huh? Then they will die. Yeah, Terry just will kill them, I guess. Yeah, and it annoys me because it, like, Terry being the villain being like, I have found you and I, I just want my money I back. I think Terry should have been, like, a supporting character in this. I think Terry should have been the 12th. Not Tess. Not Tess. I just, I'm just kind of like, I'll let Terry, let Terry just be, like, Terry's revenge quest. Yeah. Because he's on money. Because they make a whole point of, like, you got your insurance money back and Terry's like, I don't care. And you're like... Then why play this little game, Terry? Yeah. Why not just kill them? You know? If that's what you're going to do. Mm. Um, but you also, also at the same time, you find out that the Night Fox has been trained trained by Lamarck. Yeah, Lamarck, the greatest it's, thief of all time. Yeah. Who was never caught, or maybe was, or maybe died. We don't know. Yeah, nobody um, knows. Also at the same time, it turns out that... Um, Rusty's girlfriend or uh-huh. ex-girlfriend the Interpol agent her dad was also a master thief that like died when she was a child yeah and that's why she she knows everything yeah and I'm kind of and like and she's also been hunting Rusty since they broke up I actually think I know you're gonna say no Hannah I disagree I think a twist or it being that like Rusty's ex-girlfriend is trying to hunt him down and she knows how to thief because she was raised by a family of thieves is kind of a killer plot line. I, I think it is. But they just don't do anything just, with it. They literally... The, you think that's what's going to be? And yeah. then the Night Fox plot starts? And that's what the movie's about then. And then... And then she just kind of... She just appears every 20 minutes to I fuck Brad Pitt and yeah. steal his shit. And then... 
That's... She's like steals his phone. Like she she just kind of fucks with them. She yeah. just she just kind of is an inconvenience for them for most of the film. She gets Frank arrested. So he's in prison for the rest of the movie? <laughs> yeah. Because he, like... he went for a manicure with a forged credit card. It's so stupid. This movie's <laughs> stupid. I kind of love that, though. I kind of love that for Frank. Oh, listen, I got my nails done on Friday. They're nice and blue. Now I'm, yeah. I had red nails for so long, Sean. Oh, yeah? For like two months. I got them and like, I had red nails for a very long while there. Mm. Fucking freaking out that I blew my nails now. <laughs> I keep seeing them being like, oh. That's I, not mine. I'm going to get used to them by the time they're like going to come off. I just yeah. know myself and then I'll get them blue again. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it just... So Frank's out of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. They're all freaking out. Um, they, they lose their greaseman because... Are yeah, they lose the amazing yen because they put him in a bag and they put it in the bag onto the Arsenal football team's bus and the bus drives away and it doesn't go to the place that they were expecting it to go. I think this is a thing of like they're setting up the whole bag, bag switcheroo at the end. Sure, but, but why I- is yen in the bag? They never explain it. Yeah. They just, they just kind of did that. They do that. <laughs> they do that. So they can have, they can show you how bendy he is like in the first one. <laughs> it's a fucking... I actually, you, know what, you know what? You know what I like to think? I like to think they're getting sick of his shit so they did it on purpose. They just wanted to get rid of him. I've just clocked what's wrong with this fucking movie. Yeah. It feels like someone fed the Ocean's Eleven script to ChatGPT and this is what it made. Sure. Because it's everything, but it's, like, made up by, like, AI logic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's like someone was like, can I copy they, your homework? Yeah, just change some stuff. They go to Paris. But they... They, they just they, hang out in Paris for a while. They go to Paris to get, to get a train? Yeah. A train that will take you very... No, sorry, I won't quote Inception. But then, they, they, then they're in Rome. Because Rome is where, like... They have basically steal this Fabergé egg. Yeah. And they have a whole... They have a, there's a one thing I do like they do the, the, they are showing you each day as it's passing but yes. they, they have like a two week window and there's like big title cards that's like you know Monday three days left yeah yeah I think that's I thought fun. that's cool I think that's a fun one thing actually one positive thing about this to kind of sandwich this a little bit more like Aquaman is, too um, exactly like Aquaman, Aquaman too, too. Uh, is the actual like camera work and stuff in this is still fantastic oh Stephen it still looks great. It's still like it's one of those you're watching Stephen do doing the the great camera stuff and like yeah the outfits it are, is it is a little bit more exaggerated than in the first one but he, in a good way it's, I it, think it's exaggerated in a like because I was I was so checked out quickly it yeah. was annoying me because I'm like don't do this shit you did this better last time <laughs> but like being objective for a second yeah you, you can like the costuming looks fun it's great it's yeah. great like they they do look like you can tell they have more money the camera works fun the blocking's like it's still a well-made film yeah the acting none of the acting's terrible i yeah, would say yeah the acting's good i would say they're yeah. having fun yeah like can you tell they're they're enjoying themselves on their little european holiday hell yeah oh i have some funny ass on their little euro trip <laughs> do they follow the same <sighs> with the arsenal football club They end up in Rome. Yeah. No, because they go to Amsterdam, then Paris. I, I, I'm so angry. <laughs> hey, Scotty doesn't know. 
<laughs> I just Bernie, losing her mind. I'm Bernie slammed at the table. Uh, yeah, they go to Rome. They go to Rome. They're doing a heist in Rome. It's yeah. quite similar to the first one where they spend a few minutes here. The Night Fox calls Rusty's ex-girlfriend to basically be like, I am a poor Frenchman. My a house was robbed. He wears son. a fake mustache. Yeah, he wears a costume. Yeah. <laughs> Like he fully wears like glasses and a fake mustache to like disguise himself when he goes to meet Rusty's girlfriend. Um, gives away oh. like sells out Ocean and Crow. Yeah. So she knows they're there, even though she already knew they were there. But she has like all their photos now. Yeah. Because they all broke in. It turns out to do to rob these four paintings, which makes no sense. But anyway, so she like puts them up on Europol yeah. after committing like fucking signature fraud like, yeah. Yeah, yeah she does yeah. signature fraud because her supervisor like won't sign off on her going after them because she apparently has done this several times before and never turned up anything so, so he's like no I'm not giving you 30 men so you can find nothing again like there's all these interesting nuggets with her plot line and they just truly do nothing with it yeah they got distracted. That, that, that wily fox distracted them. Yeah. Damn. So then then there's a very bizarre scene. Because um, they're like, they, they do a thing where they're, it look, it's similar to Ocean's Eleven, you see. Where they're, they tell you the time codes when they're in the building and they're about to go start their like. There's one very important thing. Yeah. That happened way earlier. I think when they're leaving. Amsterdam? No, when they're going to Amsterdam. That we need to talk about. Which is? Oh, is this Matt talking about Matt Tess? talking about That's in Tess. Paris. That's in Paris? That's in Paris, the train okay. station in Paris. Sure. It's also when they go... They yes, have a, no, sorry, it is in it's the a, It's also when yeah. they have the weird scene where they go around and uh, Danny asks everyone how old they think he is. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a scene in that train station where uh, Linus, Matt's character, goes to... Is it Frank he's talking? Yeah. Um, he's like... No, it can't be Frank, because Frank's arrested at this stage. It's one... It's, oh, yeah. Is it Rusty? Yes, it is Rusty. Yeah, it is rusty. rusty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where he's like, hey, isn't it weird that Tess looks just like, you know. Uh, and Rusty's immediately like, never say that to her. She does not like that. That's a little that's a little teaser for things to come. A little, a little foreshadowing, one might say. Uh, but yeah, they... For the fucking most insane plot for the. I can't talk about it yet. I can't talk about We're it yet. We're nearly there. We're nearly We're there, nearly yeah. There. They so, do the heist. Well, they attempt to do the heist. Yeah. But their names have been given up to Interpol, so they all get arrested. Yeah. At the same time that you're watching the Night Fox do a little stretch routine. Yeah. That man... We need to talk about the actor who plays the Night Fox yeah, just for a second. Yeah, because he's the most French dude on the fucking planet. He, he What's plays, his name? I think it's like Vincent de Fouf or something Vincent like that. Vincent de Fouf. Vincent Cassel. I was not wrong. You're, yeah, you were close. Uh, other shit he's, he was in Black Swan he's great in Black Swan he was in Ice Age The Meltdown as Diego in the French dub he was in Lahan. he was in Lahan, yes he was yeah 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 in Shrek oh hey in 2015 he was in The Little Prince hey I love The Little Prince yeah um he's in Ocean's 13 for fuck's sake <laughs> oh he was in Westworld as well yeah yeah he's in Jason Bourne Oh no. no! No! I know, I like this guy. This guy's good. He's uh, in the Asterix and Obelix movie? Hey, right guy. Yeah, he seems to do a lot of uh, voice acting. Oh no, he's in the live action Asterix and Obelix movie. Yeah, but he's also in all the Ice Age films. Hell yeah. He's in, what is he in Shrek? I would imagine the he's in the French Monsieur version Hood. of Shrek. 
Oh yeah, he's Robin Hood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I he's guess good. I like him in this. I, just, I like I, no the night the night fox is so fucking dumb, but I like his delivery of it. You know, it feels very Bond. Is what I, I yeah it does yeah. yeah yeah you were saying this when we were watching it as well yeah, or when I was, I was watching it earlier yeah because I I had the oh this is a book adaptation but yeah. I was like why am I feeling that and I was like oh it's because it feels like it feels like it's Bond where you know sometimes it happens when you watch a Bond where you sit down you're watching the third one so then they're like this yeah. is a character a minor character from the first one we need to reintroduce it's yeah. kind of that vibe mm-hmm. that's what kind of the Night Fox is. Uh, actually briefly because we didn't talk about it before I do want to talk about Catherine Jesus Jones a little bit because yeah, we'll, yeah, do that, yeah, yeah. we'll do that at the end I think we finish the movie sure because she's an interesting actress in career I mean I, I, the rage came over me that I couldn't yeah she was in Zorro right with Antonio Banderas yeah I yeah. thought she was Spanish she's Welsh <laughs> she was in Traffic she was in The Terminal she's in Chicago I like I like um. yeah she's like fine in this it's a bit of a shit character, it's I think. It's a really shit character. She's yeah. not given anything to work with. If you thought Tessa's character was bad in Ocean's Eleven... Oh, just wait till you see Ocean's Twelve. Ooh, Ocean's Twelve is like... Tessa... Not Tessa Thompson. What? And, uh, Julia Roberts and Catherine Zeta-Jones get to wear some nice outfits. That's the movie for them. Damn. But yeah, going back to the movie, the Twelve get arrested. All we have left is Basher, Linus... Who else? The nervous... Um, Saul. Saul. Saul comes back. Saul yes. comes back. Saul, Saul chooses not to do this originally. Yeah, Saul is, Saul is like, I'm out. I'm going to go and I'm going to spend the rest of my money because I'm going to die soon. And I want my last check I ever cashed to bounce. I thought that was good. I, I think that. that's, that's a fun way if like the actor didn't feel like coming back and was like, I'll do a yeah. scene to explain my absence. But Saul, he comes, he comes back. back later. So it is... And it is Linus. Uh, Linus, Rusty, Tar, Turk, and Saul. Who's Tar, Turk? Tar and Turk. Oh, so it's Casey and uh, his brother. Yes. I did not remember them in the later scene in this, but go off, Kings. Yeah. No, it's no Tar is Basher. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's Basher and Casey's brother. Okay. Yes, because he drives away. Yeah. But yeah, so they... they they're talking amongst <sighs> themselves. They're doing the old, like... Oh, we could do this thing. We could do this thing. We don't have yeah. enough guys. And then they're like, "We could use Tess, though." And this is when the um, stupidest. This is the, the infamous thing about Ocean's Twelve happens. Their plan is to have Tess go into the. Is it a museum? Yeah, it's a museum that the uh, Fabergé egg is being stored in. Because Tess, in the world of Ocean's Twelve, looks. Exactly like Julia Roberts. Um, <laughs> so they are going to pretend that she is Julia Roberts. Also, another bit of this plan that I fucking hate. Yeah? How they're going to switch out the Fabergé egg. Oh, she's going to pretend to be pregnant. No, yeah, that, well, that as well. Yeah. Oh, the hologram. The fucking hologram. Yeah. They're going to replace the egg with a perfect hologram that a guy they know just made. A guy they know set in Dublin... That we are yeah, introduced to this yeah. character by... Because Catherine Zeta jones steals Rusty's phone, calls this guy, and then they have a bit of like, all right, love, banter. Yeah. And then the same character turns up again for a scene. Why do they have holograms? Because uh, people like technology in their movies. They like gadgets and such. I don't. Damn. 
That's 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 another very <laughs> that's bond. another very Bond bit. Yeah, it's very Bond. Yeah, where and uh, it feels very this period of Bond when they were a bit shit before they Jason burned the fuck out of it. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to. Where is my car getting cut in half? Is all I'm like, <laughs> I've never seen that movie. I just know a car gets cut in half. Yeah. Um, so they they go start doing the heist. They get her get her all prepped. Uh, a lot of very uh, humorous comments about how. Uh, unconvincing she is pretending to be Julia Roberts. Because she doesn't know her accent. Yeah, and apparently her ears are completely different. Fucking dumb. It's so like, dumb. It w- the thing is, I feel like this plot could work if she was the only like big name actress in this film. But the other two leads are George Clooney and fucking Brad Pitt. She's doing the scene with literally Matt Damon. Yeah. Who is... Like, Matt's very famous at this stage. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he's this done, is two borns in. This is two borns in. He's done Goodwill Hunting. He's, he's done Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. This is kind of one of... This is... Matt is at, Matt is at his peak peak, I feel. Yeah. Like, I know you're saying the two leads are, are George and Brad. Yeah. I would say the third lead's Matt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, Matt's doing yeah, yeah. all the talk shows with them. Like, uh-huh. Matt is... Like, you know, I would say it's, like, the George and Brad here. Then it's, te- like, Julia and Matt. Yeah, 100%. So why is Matt not Matt Damon then? But also Bruce Willis is here. <laughs> we do get a, something finally for us. We do have Julia and Matt get to talk in a scene. Yeah, they get again. to actually interact with each other. Not and and it's not um fucking what's his name in Mystic Pizza. It's their first scene together since Mystic Pizza. They didn't. Oh yeah, they did have that scene together. Yeah, that's <laughs> fucking crazy. Holy think- shit. <laughs> It's been like 15 years. Yeah. I've been tracking it all the way through. <laughs> and I'm like, this is their, their first scene together in since 1988, I want to say. Jesus. And it's pretending that Julia Roberts looks like fucking Julia Roberts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they meet Paris Willis. He's here. Because he's friends with Julia Roberts. He's friends with Julia but Roberts. The thing that confused, Apparently. The thing that confused me the most is he asks Test. Where's Danny? And I was like, wait. Yeah, does he know? Does he know? Or it's just a different guy called Danny. And I was like, is this whole like twist of this is actually she? He's friends with Danny. He's another guy pretending to be Bruce Willis, who's also in. No, I thought it was going to be that Danny Ocean and Bruce Willis were friends, and he was going to help with the con. And I was like. That's fucking hilarious. That would that's be great. That would be no. no, that's not it at all. They just do that stupid, like, Bredon, like, they have another famous person. Yeah. And Julia Roberts had a kid around this time or something. Yeah, so, so she's, she's pretending, pretending to, to be, be pregnant. It's so fucking stupid. And this this is where Saul comes back in, because he's helping her He's pretending to be to... the, like, like a, a Eastern European doctor or something, or like a German... Look... It's all just pretends to be Eastern European guys at the drop of a fucking hat. Listen, it's his wheelhouse. <laughs> it's his Paul McCartney. I do love Saul in this. He's oh, great. I wish they, like, yeah, it's just... It's so... It's such a stupid scene. Some people think it's really, like, fun and camp. I don't think it's camp. I think it's silly. Yeah. I think it's a funny idea on paper, but it just... They're playing it two for laughs. Yeah, and the jokes aren't funny. No. Like, the idea of this happening, I think, is funny. I think you play it dead straight. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You play it yeah. dead straight. <laughs> That's, that would be so much funnier, is the thing. If, if it's, like, as serious as them, like, blowing the vault in the first yeah. one. Yeah, and, like, 
the the fucking complicating factor being Bruce, Bruce Willis. Willis shows up would be hilarious. Like I think there's so much of this movie where they're playing it for laughs and the situations are so much funnier than the first movie that it just it has such a weird tone. Yeah. But I think if they had played everything super seriously but it was silly, then it has like a weird like airplane feel for the whole thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. Re- that's good then. Like just any scene with the night fox like it's takes like, itself fairly seriously. It plays and I think that shit's great. But uh, the it's because he takes himself too seriously. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. But he's the only thing that's taking it so seriously in the entire film. Yeah. So it just feels weird. Yeah. But they do this heist, they get caught. They get arrested by... Uh, yeah, they get caught because it's not Julia Roberts. It's not Julia Roberts. And because the Night Fox has sold them out or whatever. No, no, it's the... Because the, Interpol the, show up, right? Well, no, she's there beforehand because she she figures out the ploy. Because remember, she's the daughter of an master Oh, thief. yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, this is what she would do. <laughs> she would get her friend who looks like Julia Roberts to come in. They're probably just they're probably just friends. I don't know. Um but she so she was waiting in the, the museum and sees the like switcheroo happen. Yeah. Because they switched the Fabergé egg for like a hologram, a hologram of the Fabergé egg. Which Which only lasts for two minutes, which like makes at maximum. No fucking which sense. like that's not enough time for them to get out. No. So they get thrown into prison and then the CIA turn up. Yeah, I the guess. CIA turn up. And uh, Nan Pierce from Succession yep. arrives. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm and, gonna check this actress's name. Uh, I like her in anything I see her in. Yeah, she's great in this. Uh, um, and she's like, I'm gonna go interview these fuckers. Cherry you, Jones. Cherry Jones. What a strong name. Yeah. She picks Matt Damon and is like grilling him. What? Are you yawning or were no, you I'm like looking at her filmography? Is it like she's a great she's one of those actresses that's in a lot of great stuff. She has been in Aaron Brockovich. Oh, great movie. Uh Signs. Good movie? Yeah, good movie. The Village. A movie? Uh Amelia, is that the one I think it is? Is that the French one? No, it's a different one. That's Amelie. Yeah. Um anything else I recognize here? No other movies that I recognize there. But like like 24, Black Mirror, Handmaid's Tale, Succession. Oh, Velma. And Louise? No, the animated Scooby-Doo show. Oh. Yeah, that everybody hate-watched. She's in the, the Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is meant to be very good. That's what, um... Oh, I love her. She's in uh, Jessica Chastain won her Oscar for. Uh, she's in Black Mirror. She's in Boys Erased, King of Cups. She's in Motherless Brooklyn, a film. She's in a movie called Wine County that I watched with my mother many years ago. Oh, cool. Um, she's in The Beaver. Oh, The Beaver. The Beaver. That's why we're not doing uh, uh, Jodie Foster. Um, cut, <clears throat> cut, cut when I re- reveal something saying we have to watch The Beaver. That yeah. senses out. You can mention... Can... Don't worry about why we have to watch The Beaver. We have to watch The Beaver. So yeah, they get caught. Cherry Jones is like, Matt Damon, I'm going to interview you. And is like, sell your friends out. Yeah. Sell them out. And he just he does... Doesn't... Well, he does. He? That's the implication I got. That he's like, okay, I'm going to sell my friends out. Because then they all leave. I think it's supposed to look like he did. That's what, that's what I mean. Yeah. Because twist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cherry uh, Jones is Matt Damon's mother. Yeah, she's not in, she's not in the fucking CIA. No, no she, she is. is in the CIA. But Both her parents are high up thieves in the CIA. Yeah. Uh, and so she's just like, god damn it. Come on. No, no, no. There's no, a, she's like, a, you're doing really well. There's a No, it's Matt Damon who's like, god damn it. My mom had to break me out of prison. There's this amazing scene between it's the two. It's honestly the best so scene in the movie. Good. 
uh, where he's like, oh, don't tell dad. And he's like, she's like, he's, she's really proud of you. Yeah. And you're just like, do you know what? This does, I actually wish, I can understand where Brad Pitt's coming from, being like, this idea for a character is so funny. Yeah. Which is this like, kid who is the like, parents are these master thieves who've like, Wild away into the CIA, and he's just like, Nope, I'm gonna forge my own path. I'm gonna start off as a pickpocket. I'm gonna build my way up. But he just has too much knowledge of thieving that he keeps getting in his fucking own way. Yeah. I think that's really good. They don't let him do it. They just, they set that up for this one scene, which is good, but they kind of like, Matt isn't in a lot of this movie. Yeah, no, he's not. No. Um, um, yeah, uh, Hannah is currently drinking out of her I Heart My Son Matt Damon mug, so... I'm running dry. <laughs> Thank you, Maddie, for my Christmas present. Shout out to Maddie. Yeah. Um, a queen amongst men. True. Um, what was I gonna... Yeah, so then they go to the airport because um, Rusty's girlfriend, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, is like, hang on a second, and she like confronts Rusty one last time. And he is like... Oh, let me give you the real Fabergé egg because twist—they've actually done that. They've done the heist already. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I can also give you Lamarck because that that happens around now, right? Or he basically is like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the, the night fox or whatever. I'm gonna win you back on side, ex girlfriend of mine, and then you jump back to Lake Como, and the night fox is like explaining his heist to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this bit of the movie gets weird because yeah. a lot of information happens in like 25 minutes. Yeah. Danny and Tess go to talk to the Night Fox. Yeah. And they're like hanging out. The Night Fox Drinking is, champagne on his yeah. veranda. And the Night Fox is there like, oh, 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 you must now admit that I am the best. And Tess is like, yeah. I think that's good. I think that was good. I, li- well. I like yeah. any scene that George Clooney and uh, Julia Roberts get to play a married couple because they yeah. do it extremely well. Yeah, it's almost like they have chemistry. Yeah, it's almost like they uh, are good on screen together. Yeah. But the fucking Night Fox explains his heist and we see how he gets past the uh, the laser fucking sensors in the museum. Which we didn't mention up until now because... Because the movie also just kind of doesn't really it mentions them in a line to yeah. be like we can't do this break in because of the laser sensors and you're like okay sure. they'll, they'll break it they'll figure it out somehow and then they, they just don't they deal just with don't it. yeah they just um, pretend to be Julia Roberts instead and and then they do a scene honest to god guys it is like the laser scene in fucking Jay, Jay and Silent Bob, Bob Strike yeah. Back where, but worse where the Night Fox is like dancing he's through break it he's dancing yeah I don't like it he does like a little, he like clicks his heels after he gets through. <sighs> then Danny's like, yeah, no, we'll take our money and go. And the Night Fox is like, no, you won't. I have already stolen it. Yeah, like the real one. And this is when we, so we missed it. We didn't mention it earlier because the reason the Night Fox is doing this whole ploy is that the Night Fox is the protege of this other master thief called Lamarck. Lamarck. And Lamarck is talking to some. Basically, they have a scene a year, like earlier on, like in a flashback, where he's like, Lime was with Lamarck in his boat. He was mm. talking to an American, and the American kept going on about your heist and how great it was. And Lamarck never corrected him, saying that you were the best thief in the world. Yeah. And I took such slights to that, I had to prove you wrong yeah. and prove I was a better thief than you. Mm-hmm. 
And this this Fabergé egg also was famed for having only been stolen once uh-huh. by Lamarck. Yeah. But his wife convinced him to put it back. Which you learn from... Um, Interpol Lady. Interpol yeah, Lady. Is- Isabel? Isabel. And oh, you said the name. I think it's Isabel. Um, that sounds right. Which, do you know what? Like, it's not a terrible... It is, um, actually, it is. I don't... Yeah, as character conceits go, for him being like, I was so pissed off that, like, these Americans could beat my mentor... Yeah. I can understand that as a character, like uh, anything you could do, I can do better kind of thing. Yeah. It's just, there's too much fucking paprika in the soup, guys. Like 90% of, the only time we ever see the Night Fox doing a heist is that laser scene. Yeah. And he does other creepy shit. They're like, how did you figure out who we were? And he's like, I have my methods. Yeah, like, he's just like, he just, he just, he's just, he has, he has like magical thief skills for plot reasons. Yeah. So then you, we get revealed. So, you know, we don't know who Lamarck is. And then at the end of the movie, guys, we got to talk about how they got the fucking egg first. That's what I was going to talk about with the, the sure. egg. They go to Lamarck because they somehow know Lamarck, even though, yeah, because, because it's like the John Work universe and all the thieves know each other. Mm-hmm. And he, he is disappointed in the Night Fox, so he wants to teach the Night Fox a lesson, I guess? Yeah, I guess. So he gives them the egg, but how they have to get the egg is on the Paris train that they were on briefly. They just beat up some guys and steal it, which... So, yeah, it's like... It's done No, because like, Lamarck... The, the way that Lamarck got it was that the van that's transporting it is not actually transporting it. It's a decoy. Yeah. And it's actually being carried by just a dude in a bag. Yeah, so they switch the bags? Yeah. Is that they, the Paris they do. They do so by, like, jumping him in the train. Yeah. It does... It's so sloppily done. Yeah. Then you're watching it in this, like, weird kind of grey slow motion. Yeah. 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 And, like... And this is what I meant. Like, they do this thing where I was talking... So, this is what we're talking about with the bag. The scene about ten minutes beforehand where Rusty's talking to his girlfriend on the, the plane... They show oh, yeah, you those the ba- two get back together as well. Yeah, she gets sh- kicked out of Interpol for forging signatures. Yeah. They show you the bag that the, the Fabergé egg is in, but you haven't seen the bag before in the movie, or if you have, it's mm. been so in the background. But they also haven't, like... They don't do the thing of, like, with the, say with the white vans in Ocean's Eleven. Mm. The white vans get set up early on, and you're constantly seeing the, the other white white van. Yeah. So you're, you know about it. So when the twist happens... You're like, oh, that's smart. And I can see it all the other times. You know, the next time I watch it, I can be like, aha. Yeah. In this one, I don't remember seeing the fucking bag until yeah, me the neither. plane. So it just doesn't... And even if I did, it just looks like a normal bag. Yeah, so it doesn't stand out at all. It doesn't stand out at all. So then the white, the knife fox is like, fair enough, you beat me. Game, game, recognizes game. Yeah, here's the money. Here's the money. You j- jump back to Rusty and Isabel because he's like I'm going to let you meet Lamarck or whatever and then twist it turns out Lamarck is her dad because yeah, of, of course yeah. and then Lamarck is uh, Alfred Finney which is that's yeah. cool I wish Alfred Finney got to do some cool thieving in this movie I wish anyone got to do some, some cool, cool thieving, thieving in this movie There's the, Sean texted because I watched this over two days because I, yeah. I, I just my life worked yeah, out yeah you got to the part where the night fox showed up and then turned it off right? I got to the part where they just got into Rome and I stopped watching sure because I feel like that was a good like I'm good now. Yeah. Uh, I feel like there was a good halfway point. Sean watched it today. Yeah. Sean actually sent me a message being like, that can't be the only heist. Yeah. And it kind of... It kind of is. It kind of is. Yeah. Um, there is a... The, the, there's the last scene in the movie I think is great. Uh, Ruben and Terry... 
Terry gets his money back and he's like yeah, Ruben. these thieves though aren't they just crooked yeah. and Ruben's like, like it's nothing like our business yeah. mm. and Ruben's like I can guarantee you that if any thieving ever happens in your shit again it's not Ocean's Eleven they got nothing to do with it and, and then, then it, zooms, the it zooms in over his uh, over his shoulder and we see a guy like out in the garden with a little rake and he turns around and it's the Night Fox <laughs> I want I want this series to follow Terry from here on out. Just experiencing a series of horrific thieves. Do you know what this movie is? What? It feels like um, a pregenitor. Is that the correct term? Yeah, I think so. To the MCU. Precursor. Precursor. Yeah. Like if it has... It's the first movie I've watched in a very long time that's pre-Iron Man that's felt like the MCU. Yeah. But the last scene of the movie is great. Because all the gang just get back together and they're yeah. playing poker and Rusty's with his new girlfriend and Catherine Gita Jones obviously was defo drunk and fell off a chair. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> we missed the best bit of the movie, which is Sean and I podcasting. Yeah, is, yeah. We're, um, Danny gets a, his like wake up call and he gets dressed and he's like puts his suit on yeah. and he goes and wakes up Rusty and he's like, it's half five, let's fucking go. And Rusty is like, half 11 yeah it's half 11 the night before and because the night fox apparently fucked with daddy ocean's alarm he like called the hotel on his behalf and he's like that's just mean yeah that's mean and so the two of them are sitting there in like dressing gowns drinking, drinking wine, wine watching movies because they're watching happy days yeah but it's like how many expresses did you have and he's like five, five. <laughs> but there's a scene where they're just like Brad Pitt's just sitting there monologuing and fucking Danny's just drinking a big glass of red wine and I was like Sean and I doing the podcast yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's the movie now we get to talk about the real conspiracy theory behind this movie okay which is the Monaco Diamond what is this based on a real thing no what during the promotion of this movie the cast did they do like an ARG no the cast went to the Monaco Grand Prix. Okay. I'm going to read out the story. I, I'm i going to read out the like title and I'm uh-huh. going to do a dramatic reading. Sure. I think it's funny. funny. The Monaco Grand Prix. Grand Prix? Grand Prix. Grand Prix. I'm very tired, guys. Sean and I were talking for like the an Grand hour. Grand Prix. <laughs> Sean and I were talking for like an hour before we started recording. Yeah. I've been talking for a while. The Monaco Grand Prix. Ocean's 12. And a $30,000 missing diamond. Damn. It's the Monaco... Night Fox got it. <laughs> it's the Monaco Grand Prix race weekend. So let's relive one of the wildest stories. It's 2004 and the Jaguar F1 team was struggling financially, looking for any sponsors they could get to keep the team, like the team, team alive. Yeah. One of those sponsors came knocking on their door for the Monaco Grand Prix was the Ocean's 12 movie, which was set to release later that year. Uh, let's not forget the movie came out to Daniel Notions on top of the world, yada, yada, yada. The marketing executive over the studio probably sat in a conference room and came up with the idea and was like, let's do something real fucking stupid. So they got a fucking diamond and they put it on the front of a fucking F1 car driving around Monaco. What? <laughs> now, none of you people, I hope, watch F1 because you have better souls than I. But Monaco is very famous for being the most crash-intensive race. Yeah, I've been to Monaco. It looks fucking crazy to drive on so that So they trip. put a diamond on the nose of an F1 car. 
And they put a $30,000 diamond on the nose of both Jaguar cars in 2004. So then Brad Pitt, Matt Damon, George Clooney were all there. This is what the diamond looked like. It's a massive... What the fuck? <laughs> That's like a cartoon diamond. Um, they put this massive diamond on the car. Everything goes well for the first, for practice, for qualifying. Everything's uh-huh. great. They start lap one. They put the diamonds on the fucking nose of the car. And it goes into the wall of the hairpin. Like, not in 15 seconds into the race. Okay. And they've never been able to find the diamond. (laughs) (laughs) The diamond's been missing for 20 years, Sean. (laughs) Fuck yeah. They took the car apart. Damn. They have no idea where it went. They think it might be in the sewers of Monaco. Okay. Because it's a normal street. Yeah, But like, it crashed at lap one. No one knows where this di- like. There's a conspiracy. There's a conspiracy theory that the team stole the diamond from like the studio to like pay for another like set of shit for the year. Sure. But like, no one knows because they put a fucking diamond on an F1 car. <laughs> like honestly, what were they expecting? I think it's really funny. It is very funny, but you can't do that and expect any kind of success. Yeah, they just don't know where it went. Damn. Um, I love the photos of um, the this the diamond because they're just like, look at this diamond on this fancy car. Surely nothing terrible will happen. I'm sure. Look at them. Hell yeah, the boys. The boys. This Jaguar then became Red Bull, so I think that's very funny. <laughs> I like to imagine Sebastian Vettel found the diamond and went, hmm, this looks potent, and just threw it over <laughs> his shoulder. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> That's one of that's, my... That's the movie. That's the movie. It sure did happen, didn't it? How did it do in the box office? Fucking so well. So well. Yeah. It cost $110 million to make. Okay. Which is... That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, yeah. Um, It made $340 million internationally. Okay. Mushani yawning. <sighs> I'm sleepy. It's... Nine o'clock out here. I know. I need to go home. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I made three hundred and sixty-three million. Sure. So it tripled its budget. Came out in America anyway, December tenth, two thousand and four. So it's a Christmas release. Nice. Kind of prime Christmas time. What yeah. movies do you think are in the box office? Uh, this is two thousand and four, right? Yeah. Christmas. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Return of the King came out last year, year before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna go with a Harry Potter. I don't know. Damn. No, no Harry Potter. No Harry Potter. This is when the Harry Potters would come out every two years, I feel. Sure. Was this number one? Yes, it opened 50, 50 million. Okay. Can you give me a hint on number two? Um, Comic book movie. You like this guy. They're making a new one now. I like this guy and they're making a new one now? Daredevil? No. I think uh, Katanas? I don't know. Katana. Oh, Blade. Yeah. Oh, uh, Blade Trinity? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Blade. <laughs> you like Blade, right? Yeah, I like Blade. He's cool. Kills vampires. Mm-hmm. I love that he's basically the only guy in Marvel who's dealing with the apparently rampant vampire problem that they have. Number two is a movie I saw for my sixth birthday party. Oh shit! Yeah. So is it like The Incredibles or something? Incredibles is number six in the box office. Okay. This is the Christmas movie of this season, starring Tom Hanks. I got a no. My nice socks are wearing thin. Sorry. Continue. Uh. Starring Tom Hanks? Yeah. It's not the Polar Express. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Ugh. This is when my for my my Chris my birthday every year, my dad would like 
custom make Christmas in, like birthday invitations oh, for cute. all my friends. That's cool. I found them all. So there is a like janky clip arc uh, Polar Express invitation in my house. Fuck yeah. I think the, the what were they? It was like it was always either the, the Narnia that was coming out that year sure. or the po- uh, Polar Express one year. Surprised we haven't hit a Narnia in the box office yet. I think Narnia starts to come out next year. Okay. I feel, yeah. Number four is a movie. Sorry, yeah. Number four is a movie you referenced in our earlier conversation via text today. Um, gonna... stealing, stealing documents. Oh, national treasure! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When, when it was revealed, week. when it re- was revealed, what uh, Matsui wanted them to steal, uh, I was just like, "Oh, it's national treasure. That's fun." No, it's not. I like national treasure. Yeah, they should steal Declaration of Independence. Yeah. Number five is a movie. I feel like, uh, yeah, it's a movie that exists. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's a Christmas movie. Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. Tim Allen is Kurt. Uh, I feel like you're not going to guess. Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I know my shit, Hannah. Uh, you guessed number six. Number seven. Yeah. You. F- I feel like we don't normally don't do much more. Yeah. Um, we usually just do the top three. Top three. You can't go. Normally, normally you t- takes you so long to guess the top three is the thing. I'm, I'm getting good. I've been studying. Um, number seven is another fucking Julia Roberts movie. Oh, really? Yeah. What is it? It's called Closer. Sure. It's got Julia Roberts. Okay, this is weirdly. This is like a Matt Damon's like support castmate movie. Julia Roberts, Ben Affleck. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Jude Law. Oh, cool. Natalie Portman, which he hasn't been in with anything yet. I don't think that we've watched. No. Clive Owens, the professor. Oh, the professor, professor. our guy. Uh, other things in the box office: the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. That was what? what? Yeah. That came out around now. No, that was that can't be that long ago. I remember yeah. going to see that. That's what I mean. It's just when you start to remember movies in the yeah, cinema. Yeah, that's terrifying. We were like, oh, I remember seeing, uh, like, Incredibles I remember seeing in the cinema. Yeah. I remember seeing SpongeBob SquarePants movie. This is like, five is when I start remembering movies in sure. cinema. Um, Finding Neverland, Alexander, the terrible one. Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason. I think we can, I think we can leave the box Sideways, office at that. Speaking of Paul Giamatti. Yeah, anything else? Saw. So, oh, the first saw, nice. Mm-hmm. Napoleon Dynamite. This is not too far away from being like where we uh, where we did last time. Do you want to do Matt Damon trivia before we do the list? Uh, sure. Matt Damon. So this is about our movie for next week. Yeah. Which is fucking insane. According to Terry Gilliam, Matt Damon took tango lessons in preparation for this movie. Okay. I don't remember him ever tangoing. No, for not this movie. The oh, the movie, next one. Movie next week. Uh, the Brothers Grimm? Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? Uh, according to Terry Gilliam, Matt Damon's hairstyle was based off Jamie Oliver. Uh, sure. <laughs> but let us let us begin the yeah. list. Uh, we've, just... we've changed the list. Yeah. Um, if you guys have listened to the podcast before, you would know that the list is, at the end of each episode, we do a, a ranking of the movies we've watched. All 32 of them. Um, we used to do it from memory. We just physically we just can't. can't do it anymore. And also, we had a talk about it. And I was like, for the audience, I think it is better for us just to, like, say the list so we can discuss things rather than us, like, panicking to do it. Because then, like, we're, we're more panicked about doing the list rather than, like, yeah. the actual positioning I found. I think I'm missing several films. You want to take a sec? Yeah, I'm just going to take a second to fix the numbering on this because that's what, that's what fucked me up. 
yeah, I just have a bunch of these that I, I added in, but I didn't add a number to. Okay. So uh, it's it's all out of order. Uh, no, I can remember numbers. We can, we can yeah. go. Yeah. As always, mm-hmm. number 32. 32. Number 32, The Good Old Boys. One day we'll watch that movie. Yeah, it, it exists, I'm sure. Number 31 for me is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Number 31 for me is All the Pretty Horses. It haunts me. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. Number 30 is Titan AE. Number 30 is Rising Sun. Number 29 is The Legend of Bagger Vance. Number 29 is also The Legend of Bagger Vance. Number 28 is Field of Dreams. Number 28 is Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Number 27 is Rising Sun. Maybe I should lower Rising Sun, but I like that it's higher than uh, Field of Dreams. (laughs) Yeah. Number 27 for me is Field of Dreams. Number 26 is All the Pretty Horses. Number 26 for me is Geronimo, an American legend. Number 25 for me is Ocean's 12. Number 25 for me is School Ties. Damn, 25? I did not like this movie at all. She's less than... uh, Number 24, Euro Trip. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. Um, like, I, I I, think I like I think I think like 11 so much. That this was so disappointing. Yeah, because, yeah. like, number 11's in, like, in my top 10. That, like, this is just such a fall. Yeah. There's nothing in this movie that is, like, everything that's in it that's new, I don't particularly like. Everything yeah. that's trying to reference 11, I think they do worse. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sleepy shop. Number 24 is Eurotrip. Number 24 is Finding Forrester. Number 23 is Jerry. Number 23 is Spirit, Stallion of the Cimarron. Number 22 is Chasing Amy. Number 22 is Eurotrip. Number 21 is Stuck on You. Number 21 is The Rainmaker. Number 20 is Geronimo. Number 20 is The Majestic. Damn, you like this movie more than I thought. Let's, let's find out how much I liked it. Number 19 is Rounders. Number 19 is Chasing Amy. Number 18 is The Majestic. Number 18 is Ocean's 12. That's fair. Do you have anything last thing you want to say in it? I've, I think we've covered it. Yeah. It's all right. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't I'm, hate it as much as Hannah did. Yeah. You see, you don't like 11 as much as I do. So I feel like... I really liked 11. 11 is pretty high up here for me. Hmm. Yeah, I am interested. Sean is eventually going to redo his list, he said. Nope. You're not going to? I've changed my mind. You've changed your mind? I've made my decision. I'm sticking with it. Really? I'm going to change it at some point. Yeah. yeah. But I'm interested to see how things shake up when you change it. Because I yeah. did a big reorg recently. Yeah. Yeah. I think what I'm going to do is over summer, I'm going to sit down and try and rewatch all of them. Don't rewatch them, Sean. Actually, no, because you'll be like off all yeah, day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. can do that. You need to do it that, like, in the order you currently have them on your yeah, list. Yeah, start from the bottom and go. And see, does anything go up? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, um, fucking, what? It's like Olympics when they do, like, uh, the ski jump or something. Yeah, And, and yeah. bottoms go first. Number 17, Jersey Girl. Number 17, Mystic Pizza. Yeah, Mystic Pizza needs to be higher than 17. No, yeah, so. it does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. School Ties is number 16 for me. Number 16 for me is Titan A. Number 15 is Finding Forrester. Number 14 is The Born Identity. What's number 15? You skipped... Sorry, number 15 is The Born Identity. Number 14, Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron. Number 14 is Stuck on You. Number 13 is Glory Days. Number 13 is Courage Under Fire. Number 12 is Mystic Pizza. Number 12, I think I have my numbers right from here on out. Number 12 is Goodwill Hunting. Number 11 is Dogma. Number 11 is Mr. Ripley. Number 10 is Courage Under Fire. Number 10, The Third Wheel. Number 9, The Third Wheel. (laughs) Number 9, The Born Supremacy. Number eight, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Number eight, Rounders. 
Number seven, The Rainmaker. Number seven, Ocean's Eleven. Number six, Board Identity. Number six, Dogma. Number five, Goodwill Hunting. Number five, Jersey Girl. Sorry, Good William Hunting. Good William Hunting. Yeah. Number four, Ocean's Eleven. Uh, number four, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Number three, The Board Supremacy. Number three, Jerry. Number two, The Talented Mr. Ripley. Number two, Glory Days. And number one, with a bullet. Saving Private Ryan. Uh, I also want to thank all my fans, aka our friend Jillian and my brother, for messaging me about the new Ripley show. I like that my brand is so strong. There's a new Starring Andrew Scott playing fucking Tom Ripley. How have you not... What? Yeah! It's coming out on Netflix in like two months. What the fuck? Yeah! Andrew Scott... Have Mr. I not been screaming? I've, I've told you this before. I've never, I've never heard of this. The trailer's Holy dropped shit. on like Sunday. Damn. Yeah, I'm really excited. A Dakota Fang is playing Marge. Sure. Oh. Very excited. Uh, Sean, before you start Googling Andrew Scott and Tom Ripley. Too late. Do we have any emails? Ooh, excellent question. You can email us over. We've, oh. had, we've had a lot of people listening in recently. Yeah, thanks guys. Doing pretty well. Thanks guys. Um, uh, we're not, we're January not... is not over yet and it's already our best month. Um, like of in total uh, I'm sure that's because people have been sharing the podcast so thank you very much yeah, I um, hope so yeah uh, no emails though no emails though that's fine <laughs> we um, would very much like you to email us at signwavepod at gmail.com that's signwavepod at gmail.com uh, we'll read your email out on, on air mm. uh, if it's not you know horrific you can also contact us on Instagram and X at uh, signwavepod mm-hmm. uh, or you can Check out our TikTok at SineWave36. Which I haven't... Listen, making TikToks, hard business. Yeah. Someone's got to do it. You better get... <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it for this week, folks. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see how Ocean's 13 goes. I am too. I hope it's worse. Do you? Yeah, kind of. Is this... Can I ask you a question, Sean? Yeah. Do you like this movie? Like... Actually, or do you like it the way do you like Grown Ups too? Yes, it's the way I like Grown Ups too. Okay. Well, no, I do also enjoy parts of it. Like I do. I think the the Bondy aspects you kind of are yeah, like, yeah, I do. I vibe with that. Yeah. Yeah. Not to call out Sean's taste in films, but oh no, my taste is bad. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm so scared for when we do our Matt Damon like the podcast Matt Damon rankings when we finish this miniseries god yeah that's gonna I think be fucking rough I think we're going to disagree we're going lo- to argue yeah cause there's going to be things that you're like Hannah I know this is objectively bad but I want it high all I'm saying is Glory Days has to go far oh I'm happy for it to go far but you're yeah. gonna have to make some concessions I, I I know what I'm offering I know I've got a deal that I'm willing to make I feel like we need a third person on that episode to moderate. <laughs> we need a, no, what we do is we get every guest we've ever had on that like our episode. Panel? Yeah. <laughs> we get to call a lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good, actually. I like that. Before we uh, plan that, we have to finish watching all our Matt Damon movies, starting yeah. with our next movie, our first 2005 movie. Uh huh. The Brothers Grimm, directed by <laughs> Terry Gilliam, uh, who I've, may of Monty Python fame. I've been excited for this one for a little bit, ever since I heard about the nonsense with Matt's hair. <laughs> Terry Gilliam. Uh, byline. Eliminating evil since 1812. Yeah! Folklore collectors and con artists Jack and Will Grimm travel from village to village pretending to protect fam- townsfolk 
from enchanted creatures and performing Ooh. exorcisms. Ooh. However, they are put to the test when they encounter a real magical curse in a haunted forest while real magical beings requiring genuine courage. Starring Matt, Matt Damon. Damon. Who's the other brother? He's Ledger. Oh, he's Ledger. Cool. Uh, Linda Healy of Joe Stretch fame and The Purge and uh, I guess Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Peter Stormier, who is in Fargo and he, The Big Lebowski, and Peter Stormier, I believe, also is in the Constantine film as Satan. Yeah, he's in the Constantine film as uh, Charlie Buss in the Constantine film. You learn something new every day. Yeah, he plays Constantine's uh, comedy relief sidekick. Okay. <laughs> uh, Jonathan Price is in this movie. Jonathan uh, Price also from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, Roger Peter Stormare must have been in Game of Thrones at some point, right? Google it. Monica Buchanelli, I think she's an Italian actress. So she's in The Matrix Reloaded and Dracula and Spectre. She's in Twin Peaks. You probably would recognize her. Yeah. Um, uh, he has not been in Game of Thrones, but he was in Arrow. Cool. Uh, also in this movie is uh, Mackenzie Crook, who's a British actor who is in... I think he's one of the skinny pirates in all the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, this guy. Yeah. yeah the guy with the eye. The guy with the eye. Yeah. Roger and Ashton Griffin, who's in The Lobster, and a bunch of other... Oh, he's in A Knight's... Have you ever seen A Knight's Tale? I've never seen A Knight's Tale. Sean, I think we might have to do a book club. I love A Knight's Tale. That was started my Heath Ledger obsession. Sure. I'll, there's going to be a lot of Hannah talking about Heath Ledger next step. Uh-huh. I love Heath Ledger. Remember when we were saying this was going to be a nice hour 40 minute? It's only two hours! <laughs> no, it got derailed because we had to wait an hour to record because we had shit to do, so like... But it wasn't recording during that. No, but I mean, but like, we were recording for about five minutes before that. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, when we were saying, oh, this will be a nice hour record, that's before we got the late 45 minutes. True. So I was already not going to get home until like half ten. Yeah. Um, but that's it, folks. That's Tune in it. next I'm week. I'm sleepy. Tune in next week. Supposedly this movie is similar to Stardust. Stardust is a banger. Uh, I remember seeing that in cinema. I remember seeing that in cinema as well. That was great. Great movie. Yeah. Um, this movie isn't great. Yeah. Go watch another heist movie. Bye. Tschüss. Yeah, we're definitely in starting to... I'm just looking at the box office. We're definitely starting to be in a zone where, like, I remember going to the movies. Yeah. Like, I remember going to see movies in 2004. I don't think I do. Because I was... I was five. So you turned five in 2004. Yeah, I would have been five, like, early 2004. Yeah. But, like, The Incredibles came out in 2004. Oh, shit, I did go to see that. That's yeah. what I mean. Like, it's you... It's the movies that are, like... I remember, like... I remember being in the cinema for The Incredibles yeah. and stuff. I miss when you were a kid and you used to go to movies all the time.